This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 550, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. And we're live! Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 550. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello. We and are live. We're live. Yeah. Apparently we're live. We're live. We are not live to you listening at home, but we're live right now recording, streaming this, our 550th episode. And uh, let's here's read the a, script. Here's a question, though, before you read the script. Yeah. As part of our recent launch on Patreon, Patreon to move our subscribers over to that, yes. we've promised things, and one of the things we promised was a monthly hangout. Does this count as that for this, this month? We this haven't counts. hit that level, did we? Yeah, we hit that level yeah, early. Yeah. Yeah. Was I on vacation? Yeah, you yes. were on vacation, yes. All right, so we have to figure that out. I, th- I think this counts. This counts. This, this is counts. our – what month is it? August this hangout? August, yeah. So this is our August patron hangout, but we're also making it for everybody because it's the 550th. Yeah. So, so uh, September my... September will be patrons only. Wow, mm-hmm. we have a lot of scheduling to do. Okay. A lot of scheduling. Let's figure that out next week. I've got a beer. Ron's got a beer. Josh's beer is upstairs for some reason. And uh, we're our fanboy. We like comics. If we can read a bunch of comics, one of us picks the best book they read. We call it the pick of the week. And normally we talk about other books and uh, do some listener mail and other topics of interest. This is our 550th episode on the 50s. On the zeros and the 50s, we like to do an all-listener email show uh, in lieu of the normal format. So this is your first time listening or watching. This is not our normal uh, format, so we apologize. On the ones and twos, on the 50s and the hundreds. Uh, So what we're going to do is do the pick of the week. Uh, we're going to do our, our ratings segment, as, as we've been doing for the last couple months. We're going to do our patrons' choice book, and then we're going to jump right into all emails for the rest of the episode. As long as it goes 
as long as it takes to answer them all. So here's your spoiler warning. There will be some spoilers in the book discussion. There could be spoilers in the email discussion. Just, just be wary in general. It's a good life lesson, just be wary. <laughs> just in general, be wary. Yeah. No matter what you do, whether it's in comics or in work <laughs> just or in life. life. Just That's my entire uh, reason for living is to be, which is watch out. Some of us might should be wary of giant beards oh. on their faces. You talking to me? Yeah, yeah I shaved. I'm pretty happy that I've got to a point where you can say it's a giant. I it's actually a giant beard. I tried. I don't know. Let's hang on. I don't know if the beard is giant. <laughs> or the face. You're finally getting Irish face, Josh. That's what we're yeah. saying. This is my Brian Wilson face. All right, so <laughs> stay in uh, bed longer. This week, Ron had the pick, and uh, I'm going to use this opportunity to get a second beer. I'm very uh, jealous of that second beer. So, uh, yes, yeah, so pick of the week this week goes to Star Wars number 22, which was written by the Eisner Award-winning best writer Jason Aaron, with art by Jorge Molina, colors by Matt Mila, and letters by the always talented Joe Caramagna. And, yeah, so Star Wars 22... Despite having a horrible offense, uh, which we'll get to in a moment because there are thoughts, Star Wars number 22 probably at this point was my favorite issue of this entire Jason Aaron run on Star Wars. Because really? Because it, it, it really took 22 issues to get to what happens in this book, which is a rollicking, action-packed action sequence of the Rebels against the Empire. Up to this point, it's been there's been a little skirmish here, a little skirmish there. There's been the whole Han Solo's wife thing. They're, they got separated. You know, Luke went off to Narshada and and all this sort of stuff. But here, what we get, we get action. This book just opens up with a great double-page spread of the Falcon and X-wings and Tie Fighters and a Star Destroyer. And from page one to page what, 18 these days, 20. Um, <laughs> six pages. It's going to be an email about that. Six. Yeah, basically, it's going to be yeah the, the four pages of comics we got out of this. No, no, actually, <laughs> there's a lot. But uh, it, it's you know singular action that involves everybody. Although the droids were well, C3PO was uh, curiously not present. R2's in it, but 3PO wasn't anywhere to be found. It was but, an important uh, mission. They had to leave him. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and you just get this entire self-contained action sequence, and you don't know really know what's happening. You're thrown into the action. The rebels are attacking a star destroyer. You don't really understand why. And the story unfolds and reveals itself that what they're doing is they're trying to make it look like the star destroyer got got blown up, but in reality they disabled it and then took it over. And so they've stolen a star destroyer. And by the end of this issue. I was like, all right, well, where's it going to go from here? And that's exactly what you want from this kind of series. And it was just great to see this issue just totally pay off on the potential of what you could do with a Star Wars book, which is what we want to see, which is Luke and Leia and Han off fighting the Empire, which is, you know, almost perfect. And in addition, after 22 issues and much cajoling of Mr. Uh, Jason Aaron, we finally get an appearance by the hero of the Rebellion, Wedge Antilles, but it came Mard. at a, but it came it, it came it came at a it came at a very very heavy price a dear cost yes yeah so and that cost is uh uh so what happens is is that the the falcon shoots some torpedoes at the star destroyer blowing a hole in the back of it and then one by one the x x wing fighters are trying to take a shot at it to uh disable the reactor and uh so luke says he's you know uh, so wedge is flying closer to it and he says he's Switch into his targeting computer, and over the comm, somebody, I'm guessing it's Luke, 
says, you've got this wedge. Did you, then, could you groan? I groaned, oh. I groaned a lot. In fact, <laughs> I, in fact, I think I stopped everything and sent the, the, the I took a, a snapshot of the, the yeah. panel and sent it to you guys. I said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was early. I mean, this was like 9 a.m. Wednesday morning. It was, he'd, he'd gotten right on it. It was literally, it was literally the first book I read. It was because I was excited because I was like, because the, because first off, look at that cover. The cover yeah. is just like, I mean, and Josh, am I wrong? I mean, I know Connor's not reading this, but Josh, am I wrong? Did this not have, aside from Wedge, you've got this. Mm-hmm. Did this issue not have everything you want out of a Star Wars comic? It was, it was a good fun issue, and uh, I really like it when they do these dog fighty type issues. It was a good time. Wedge, I mean, the fact is, we were told point blank, don't hold your breath for Wedge. Directly, we were told by Mister. Yeah, Jason. yeah. Uh, almost, almost as a personal affront. Yeah. So, to see the hero of the rebellion finally, and you know, he got his moment. You know, Wedge. Obviously, Wedge got the job done. Right. You're like Wedge. Here's a job. You're not gonna be like, <laughs> did he do it? Can Wedge here? Wedge, until he's here with the rebellion, of course he did it. Yeah. And so even a person who who writes this book who claims to have no affection for Wedge until he's can't even deny. That that's your go-to guy. Yes, he's and, he's, which, which, he's the hero of the rebellion. I mean, that's which, what it obviously, is. which yeah. further, like, he doesn't say I got this, and he doesn't say you got this. It is a grammatically correct assessment. True. That that is a good point. That he does use the got this in a grammatically correct. You got this. You and got this. And also, I think it's worth uh, noting and defending that uh, it's someone else saying wedge. You've got this. It's not wedge saying I got. Wedge isn't going to say that. It's a wedge bad is, phrase. Wedge is better than that. Wedge <laughs> it's a waste of that. time, and he's efficient. Now, that said, Luke, on the other hand, whiny baby Luke, Wormy, sure. Wormy is going to say... a lot of Wormy say, left over at this point. A whole lot of Wormy. Uh-huh. Uh, so Wormy is going to say it as much as he can, because he's he's really telling himself as much as he's telling Wedge. Also, he's desperate yeah. to fit in, so he's trying to yeah. use, like, slang and, and, and hipster right. talk to try to fit in with, with all the other rebels, because he's not sure. And, I mean, I don't know if you can... I see here on Wedge's face, what I see is... Just a droll acceptance. Like, are you done? I have, I've, I've work to accomplish. <laughs> That's a very, very good point. It's a very good point. And so, furthermore, <laughs> given Mr. Jason Aaron's lack of interest in the character of Wedge Antilles, the hero of the rebellion, um, <laughs> uh, the fact that he made the appearance, we have to mark as a victory. But I gotta believe that that the you you've got this is a direct. Uh, as you your balls, it, yeah, like direct kick to the balls. <laughs> I think it might be. Um, I'm going to skirt on past that, and I'm going to make a couple of co- uh, random compliments about this issue. At first, I was like, I, I don't, I, I don't know how I feel about Jorge Molina on this. And now, as I flip through it, I was like, I'm wrong. It's great. It's great. It's great. really great. Last issue, last issue was it felt like somebody trying to do stuff imminently. Yes, if that's a word. But with this issue, I felt less imminently and more just like this is the look of the book. Yeah, and this which is, is a subtle like, difference. Which is a yeah. subtle difference. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's the artist doing the artist thing, not trying to do somebody else, but within the context of the thing. Yeah. Uh, that's point one. Point two is that boy, Jason Aaron really writes a good Han Solo. Yeah, that annoyed. Harried, like, we're in trouble. Why are you talking to me, Han Solo? Yep. You know, trying to blame everybody else. Can't. Like he's like he's chewing his just, he's chewing his teeth. He's mad. Yep. Uh, he does it really well, and he always has. But in this one, it really was over the top, fantastic. And I would really also like to credit both Jason Aaron and Jorge Molina for some fantastic Imperial officers. I was I was I was gonna say. Including one, not only with an eye patch, 
but also a pencil-thin Clark Gable mustache, which, <laughs> which really is just a fantastic look. And you get a, another Imperial <laughs> officer with a nice, bushy John Ratzenberger 70s mustache. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I just like that you can look at those guys and go, "Well, they're the bad guys." Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no question about that. Not only are they the bad guys, but they're Imperials. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and listen, as someone whose nickname in high school was Imperial Officer, I get it. They're side. Wait, Imperial, whoa, so. let's examine that. <laughs> have we never heard that? Yeah, how yeah. have we n- known each other for this long and not known that? No, it was, it was for a little while. There was somebody who liked to call me an Imperial. I said I looked was like an Imperial the Officer. In the, the person, the person insulting you was a huge nerd, by the way. Well, yes. Because yeah. if we're thinking about time frame here, I mean, you'd have to really, you'd have to be into deep nerd. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, but this issue was just great. I, I, you know, so if you remember the last issue was the first issue of the arc, and we got introduced to that badass Stormtrooper Squadron, and now we see what the Rebels are doing. So, you know, obviously they're going to run right into this badass Stormtrooper Squadron, and I just can't wait. And, you know, just bravo, Jason Aaron, bravo, Jorge Molina. It's great to see Wedge in the book. I'm looking forward to seeing more Wedge. With a performance uh, like that, I don't understand how you would I – mean, just tactically, it's a bad idea to not include him. I mean, really, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, nice to, see, it's nice to see Han Solo and Chewie and Luke and all that stuff, but, I mean, really, this is Wedge's book. Tell you something. From a, you know what? From a storytelling, dramatic point of view, you don't want him there. Right. Oh, good point. He's really competent. You know what yeah. to expect. He's steady as the day is long. He gets the job done. Yeah, yeah it doesn't and actually also, make a very good drama. Not only does he get the job done, he also knows when it's time to leave. And not come back for the, yeah. the sequel. Sorry. You can, watch, you can see him <laughs> flying away here. There's actually there's a panel of his X-Wing. I'm out of here. I, <laughs> I just love what I love is I love the look on Wedge's face. See, now we're just talking about the movie. But I love the look on his face as he's pulling the X-Wing away and he just, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> he's sorry. He really is sorry. Yeah. But. It's better to be able to fight another day. So, uh, Ron, was it because of your sideburns? Yes. It took that long to figure that out, Connor? No, the chat room I, figured I, that I, out. Yes, yes. I thought it was. So. I thought it was the SS-like uniform you would wear to school every day. <laughs> the job person. The, the boots. He, just, yeah. he would take all the insignias off, but it was still uncomfortable. <laughs> um, all right. So anyway, so pick of the week. Uh, we week twenty-two. Good job. We covered pick of the week. I got this corner and Star yeah. Wars corner all in one. Wow, nice that work. is a efficient. And, and had this been the patron's pick, it yeah. would have been the, the quad yeah. quadrangle. That was wedge-like. I just realized we don't have any uh, timer going on this show. The normal way I time the show is no longer in use. So we should we should mark now. Okay, now, now. got it. Now, now. now. Wait, now, is this now? now? Yeah. We're actually pretty close to being on time. We're bang on. So let's move on uh, quickly now to our rating segment. Ratings. 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 Ooh, this is live ratings. ratings. People can live see us doing ratings live. So ratings. we talk about the uh, DC Rebirth books. We're re- giving them all ratings. We're ripping off Mike and Tommy Snacks, our very good friends over at Mike and Tommy Snacks. We're not ri- this is an homage. This is homage. An homage. Yeah. As we've been doing for years, homaging Tribute. them. We're calling it an homage. Uh, so where we, we pick a comic, read a comic, read a comic on a five-point scale. Blue Beetle Rebirth, number one, written by Keith Giffen, art by Scott Collins, who we all uh, are big fans of. And Giffen and Collins plotted the book together. And this is a team-up book with the original, uh, not the original Blue Beetle, but the classic Blue Beetle, Ted Cord and Jaime Reyes, the new, young, hip Blue Beetle. So this is the merging of the two, basically. Yes. In a way. Yeah. Yes. 
What'd you think? Well, now, before we talk about this book, can I just, I, can I make a plea? He immediately doesn't want to talk about the comic book. <laughs> can, I make a, can I make a plea to the management of DC Comics to never stop doing Rebirth books? Because not <laughs> only do I look forward to rating books every week, I look forward to the weekly incessant message from Josh. Do I have to do another of these Rebirth books? <laughs> yeah. Do I have to read this one? Yes. The answer is always yes. Yes. I, so. wasn't, I just want to know if there was one. Yes, there was. And I was hoping there would not be one, but there was. <laughs> so I had a little bit of a mixed feeling. I, I actually quite enjoyed this. I like the Blue Beetle character a lot. Ted Kord is one of my favorite characters. Keith Giffen wrote the classic Justice League comic in which Ted Kord was a major character in it. I enjoyed this, although but... it's part of the trend of having the hero have someone in his ear the whole time. Oh, this is this is the CWification of the DC heroes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, I don't necessarily like that. I know that Josh, you used to hate the inner, the first person monologue. Yeah, it feels like they've they've replaced that with the angel in your ear. Yeah, they replaced it with guy back at the headquarters talking to you while you're fighting, and it's fine, but it's not fine when every hero has it. Right. And that's where we're getting we're getting to that point. He was in the action. He was in the beetle bug. He mm-hmm. was kind of there too, but really it was just him in in. He, they're basically all Firestorm now, basically. That's <laughs> what I was thinking as I was reading this. You can't help but notice these these trends. So as much as I enjoyed it, which I did, you know, it's a worrisome development. It is a worrisome development. Not as worrisome as the coloring of this book, though, I think. Because Scott Collins is somebody whose art I really, really adore, and I feel like the coloring took away from it. So that's more, it. More what is it you don't like about it? I just thought that it was a little too... I mean, Co- Collins has got a very clean line, and I've been, you know, been a fan from him since, you know, going back to the Flash and that sort of thing. I felt as if the coloring was just a bit too on the bright, simplistic side, and there wasn't as much subtle definition. Where I found, I, and maybe just because I want Collins from back during, when he did the Flash run, when it was still printed on newsprinty and that sort of thing. If you want scratchy but, Collins. Yeah, I want. Yeah. Scr- I want scratchy, muted Collins, not bright singular, you know, I don't know, with, and like, and just like with, there's a lot of like, you know, rosy cheeks and, you know, things like, like, uh, like a little, uh, embellishments on the color side that I don't necessarily want to see in the coloring. I'd rather see in the pencils, you know? Yeah. I don't so. think you're going to get that. No, I know. Yeah, I don't but, find that. I see what you're talking about. I don't know that it bothered me so much, but I, I don't think I was attached to the other style before. I definitely thought it was looser. I like the Collins. You thought so? Yeah, I mean it's it's not my favorite Collins, which is we, we Ron just mentioned the sketch the scratchier, yeah. uh, more detail intensive Collins, which we saw in the Flash. But this, we've also seen Collins go the other way. You remember when he did some work yeah. we didn't like at all. Yeah. yeah, this is like a nice middle ground. Yeah. Anyway, so Collins was not the problem with this. <laughs> the basic. Don't you don't you knock my boy Giffen. Well. If you're going to pick a, a character to represent the Latin American experience, oh. Jaime Reyes, oh. the last person on earth who should be scripting him is Keith Giffen. I, 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 Look at the last page when we get the, the cultural signifier of there should be some chorizos in the fridge. That's not even <laughs> how you say that. But it was so ham-fisted. It was just like, where's my Afro pick? It just it didn't yeah. read at all. And B... I don't like the whole conceit of the kid and Ted Cord just wants to give like I, I was I haven't read a ton of Ted Cord in my life, but I like him when he shows up. Yeah. And so I feel like it's a little bit of a waste of the character. And then the fact is the other time Reyes doesn't even want the thing, so it's yeah. like less fun. 
Yeah. Well, that's always been his thing. Is is so. The I know, old, but that's been going on a long time. The old version was this alien technology was attached to him and he couldn't get it off. Now okay. this one, with the I forgot to mention my favorite moment of the book, the awesome appearance by Doctor Fate. Yes, that was the best love, part. I always love when Doctor Fate shows up, and this appears to be this at least looks like Kit Nelson Doctor Fate, and not the hipster Brooklyn for Doctor Fate from the last series. Shows up to say actually the scarab is magical, so that's a new twist on on Blue Beetle. Now again, you're right. He does still doesn't want it on his back. Yeah, and again, and it made that conflict a little. And I agree with you, Josh. It was a little more magnified than it should have been. Yeah, like it was a late, like he was he was too reluctant. Um, yeah. And I and I get not wanting to do this or whatever, but it just it, I did as I'm reading it. I'm like, oh God, I want to read about somebody who doesn't who doesn't want to do you know. Look, look how much Ted Cord wants to do it. Let him do yeah. it. Yeah. Let him be old and try to do it and be shitty at it. M- yeah. Make him Latino. I don't care. I just right. want that attitude in that guy. You know, to do it, and he's in his T-shirt. It's tucked in, which is hilarious. <laughs> By the way, there is leftover chorizo. Not there are leftover chorizos. <laughs> oh, come on! You've never eaten Mexican food. Listen, his shirt's tucked in because he's got a utility belt on. You can't have it flopping over that's the belt because when you reach down, it's a good reason. I can't, can't argue with that stuff. Yeah. So that was Blue Beetle Rebirth. Let's give our ratings. 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 I give it a. 3.5. Wow. I'm going to join you with that 3.5. I am going to knock one point off of that and say one point or 2.5. Wow. Is it for the Trezos? That really did bug me, and it was right at the end. But you know what? It makes me think of Trezos and eggs from Midnight Run, and then I, make, I get happy. Uh-huh. Trezo yeah. is it is a wonderful thing. <laughs> I mean, like, that's why you don't screw with it. Chorizo is so good. I have no science or chorizos to put to this, but Stop. I feel like the, the trend... With the, yes. I feel like the, the... No mas. I feel like the trend with these Rebirth books, we haven't had one over a four in a while. Well, we, we launched strong with the, yeah. you know, the, your Supermans, your Batmans, your Flashes, your Wonder Womans, your Green Lanterns, and now we're into the Blue Beetles, the See, Deathstrokes, the Suicide Squads, and we're all gonna get, when we get to Ambush Bug Rebirth... We're going to start hitting the ones, 1.5s. I'm all about the ambush. Josh hangs itself in the murder room. Yeah. (laughs) So sticking with it, Ron? Yes. So uh, in addition to the Rebirth book and the pick of the week, we also have to talk about... We didn't do sticking with it. Oh, sticking with it. Oh, I Are you sticking you, with I it, I that was Ron? a segue to move on. No, 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 uh, no. no, I'm not sticking with it. Despite my, my adoration of Scott Collins, I just I have no, nothing invested in this. I'm so. sticking with it for one more because I like Ted Cord. I haven't had a Ted Cord book in years, uh, at least the, the one that I've read. So I'm giving it one more issue. All right. Could you – I'm not, obviously not going to stick with it, but could you te- let me know if there are any awkward cultural uh, appropriation <laughs> language know. signifiers? I'll let you know how often the chorizo show up in the issue. I'm off to have a siesta. <laughs> I, I, I was going to really make a bad joke. Let's move on to the patron's choice. Ron, explain what that is. Yeah, so every week uh, our supporting patrons who go to patreon.com slash ifanboy and choose to support ifanboy in a monetaril, monetary way, monetary way, <laughs> monetary way, <laughs> way uh, every, Wednesday, every Wednesday they are able to vote on a, book that, on a comic book that was released this week. It has to be a comic book issue, and the comic book that gets the most amount of votes we will read and discuss here. And it, it, it even because the patrons picked it, it makes the cut on a special episode like this. Um, because many, many good comics came out. I had a list of comics I want to talk about, but Connor said no. We're just doing the pick of the week, the ratings, and it's like you've never ratings. done this before. We haven't been doing this for eleven well, years. It's, I know, but the, you know. Anyway, um, so, so, uh, well, so well, before we get into the book itself, we should mention if you're a patron, 
and you don't vote, we have about, I'd say, a third, a third. of patrons currently voting. Yep. Uh, you should vote because this book, it, it won, actually, it wasn't close this week, but in the past weeks, it's been one or two votes. This week, this book doubled its nearest competitor in terms of votes. But And, and this, what's funny is that I had it going into this week, I like to try to guess which the, what the book is going to be that they're going to pick, and I actually read, we're going to go as long as we can without saying what the book is. Okay. I actually read this book in my stack before before it was the patron you pick. You read this book? Yeah, because because I thought maybe this could be pick of the week potential, and and as I was reading it, I was like, oh, wouldn't that be fun if this ends up being the patron pick and it's the pick of the week? But that did not happen. So the book that we are talking about, uh, the patron pick for this week, is Kingsway West, uh, number one, published by Dark Horse Comics. Uh, it's written by Greg Pak with art by Mirko Kolak, uh, colors by Win Quintana, Will Quintana, and letters by Simon Boland. We should have uh, so a Patreon level where you just try to get in as many malapropisms and mispronunciations <laughs> as possible because that's what the kids show up for. <laughs> also, a real, also, it made me realize that as I was saying the credits, I was, without even thinking about it, I just now naturally say credits like Tom Caters from eight, well, we eight years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, so I'm still stunned. I don't know if you are too, Josh, that Ron read this on his own. Why not? Because it's so not your... <laughs> Genre. He likes he likes a Greg Pak, and I understand what he's saying. On a pick on a week where you've got to pick, you look at the list and you go, "There's got to be more to it than this. I need something to talk about." So you're gonna you're gonna branch out a little bit. No, not but, necessarily. Not necessarily that. I mean, looking at the list, like I had some hardy choices, but yeah, look, it's a new number one. I saw a lot of buzz on it on the social media. Great cover image. I was engaged by the artwork. In fact, I had to do a double take to see if the cover was Fiona Staples or not. Really? Oh, that's interesting. I thought that. Is it Mirko? Mirko, Mirko Kolak. Yeah. I thought maybe it's Mirko Kubert. He looks just like a he looks just like Andy Kubert to me. I, it looks like yeah. a Fiona Staples, Andy Kubert. In fact, mix. I thought they got Andy Kubert to do the cover, and I was looking at this credits to see if he had done the cover. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he looks so much like him. He's been um, a, he's been a, he's, he's been, been around. around. He did the, he did a Red Skull series back in 2011 with uh, Greg Pak. That's he, where this comes. That's where that little. Uh, yeah, yeah. He did you the first. Read. He did, he did the first five issues of Turok Dinosaur Hunter from Valiant. Mm-hmm. Um, he did some Green Lantern Corps. So he's been around. So. Sorry, sorry, what? Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> Dead Green Lanterns everywhere. <laughs> it's, a, it's a grim book. So, so uh, yeah. this is a genre mashup. When yes. I first saw the cover, I saw the Cowboys. Yep. And then I saw the Chinese woman with a sword. And then there's a dragon. Yep. And uh, so we dragons, get... Dragons with women are huge right now. Old it's, Old West magic story. But the dragon's with the dude, Josh. That's why it's different. No, but she's with the lady in the book. Oh, yeah, but on the cover, he's on the guy's shoulder. Oh, is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah he that's, is. That's just um, false. This, yep. is almost, this is almost like you take genre concepts and put them in a bag and shake up the bag. and like, all right, I got Western. I got mean, dragons. All comics. I got... <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but this is robots, neat. but with monster trucks, but with a feminist bent. <laughs> I mean, this is this has got this has got echoes. I mean, and purely just from looking at it, not actually prior to reading it, echoes of East of West, echoes of Saga, echoes of you know the books that are doing well in the market. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, although I thought it was just fell a little short for me. Well, first tell the people what it's about, because I think most people probably haven't read it. Yeah, go ahead, explain, because yes. So it's an alternate. Place history. Uh, alternate takes, past alternate history. Yeah, it takes place in the late 1800s. Apparently, there's a mineral or something. There's something red called gold. red gold, which is found in the mountains it's like of rose Cal- gold, right? I'm sorry, so, it's like rose gold. Yeah, sure. 
it would um, appear that that the Chinese have colonized the west coast of America at the same correct. time that the white folk are colonizing the east coast of America. And the Spanish have the middle. Yeah, and and and, and, and natives. Republica de los Californios is yeah. uh, is is to the south. And something happened. There's a dead zone where where San Francisco should be, which is appropriate. Um, <laughs> and then and then there's an area in the mountains called the Wild. And so I gotta admit, you start a book and your first page is a map. Oh, I yeah, should have known. Yeah, I should have known. Right? A map. Give me a map, and that's a good move. It's a good move. Yeah. Um, and so so we're we're introduced to this world where this this uh, red gold exists, and people are are lusting after it. Um, and then we're introduced to this guy by the name of Kingsway Law, and we get some time jumps, and we see something happens, and years later, then there's the woman with the dragon, and basically he's getting dragged, this Kingsway guy's getting dragged back into it, uh, reluctant hero type story. Just when he was out. Just, you pull him back in. Pulled him back in. Yep. I think it was well set up, I think it was pretty good world building, I think he tried to do a lot in the first issue. Yeah, it was really great. In that way... It was very efficient, but I think that it failed to draw me in a little on a character basis because you didn't have time to get to know anybody to really be upset about their loss. Right. I was going to say, I, I agree with you because basically after reading this, I like the the universe it's in. I'm curious about it. So that's that scratches one thing. It's got You got me, you know, curious. Secondly, though, I didn't get any hooks dragged into me. I didn't get any, you know, there was nobody who were like, all right, I want to see what happens to this person. Literally, awesome. the only thing is, like, I think Greg Pak is a good writer, and I Agreed. think that the art looked really good, and it's a pretty good concept. That's what gets me to come back, not yeah. the issue. Yeah. I um, even thought there were some storytelling problems where yeah. I couldn't follow the action appropriately, especially in the beginning in the, when he shoots the guys, but I didn't realize he had shot the guys. Yeah, I did. All of a sudden, they were just the- on the ground. I did go back and read a couple of sequences over. To, I agree with you, Connor, because when of he, that, like, you don't when know he what's was going shot, on. Yeah. Actually, was yeah. the one that wasn't clear to me. Yeah. I, this, um, is, this is the second uh, genre mashup book I read this week. Lake of Fire from Image was the other one. Yep. How was that? How was that? I thought, I thought, it, was, it. I thought it was very good. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't read it yet, though. Nathan uh, Fairbairn wrote that. Yeah. So, Excellent. I mean, it, it's still going to annoy you, Josh, because it's when I, I first looked, looked at the cover, I thought, oh, nice. And then I didn't, I didn't notice the aliens. Uh-huh. Knights versus aliens. At least, at least, it, there, it at least there are no, de- at least there are no demons. There will be. Well, this was okay. I, I, I agree with you. I think the, the draw of Greg Pak is, is the strong suit here, and it's not necessarily the work itself. Yeah. yeah. But I right. like this kind of alternate history stuff. So maybe I will read another one. I don't yeah. Know. This is yeah. You know what? It's one of those things. Like if you took the dragon out, you took out the everything else, then it's basically Lazarus 150 years prior. Right. But um, but it's interesting like that. And to me, that's enough. But you know, not necessarily to the guys in the shops buying. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I I agree with you, Connor and and Josh that Greg Pak is like to see Greg Pak do something of his own creation. Yep, that gets my attention, and so I'll stick with it for the first arc at least, just to see it through and see where it goes. And I did like Mirko Kolak, the storytelling issues aside. I thought his I thought his uh, figures were really great. He drew the setting to be familiar yet unfamiliar, you know, and and good last page, you know, give me a United uh, United States of New York, and I'm all about that. And it's, you don't often see an Asian cowboy, so yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of interesting things going on here. Yeah. All right, so that was the patron pick, and if you want to get in on the action and vote for a book, you can, and you can do that by supporting iFanboy. Go to ifanboy.com support, and there are all the different ways that you can help support iFanboy. The aforementioned patron pick can occur by becoming a 
recurring patron of iFanboy by going to patreon.com slash iFanboy or following the link over at iFanboy.com slash support. There you can choose a monetary number uh, that you want <laughs> that you would like to pay us on a, so uh, on a monthly basis. Uh, we only charge you monthly. We don't charge you per episode. We just want to chorizos. Yes, we we do it. Well, hang on, hang on. We we uh, you for as little, little as three dollars. You've, you've reached the chorizo level. The chorizo level. As a little as little as three dollars a month, uh, you can become a uh, iFanboy patron. And we've already unlocked a bunch of goals. We're within striking distance of our next goal, which is going to be to start putting out more iFanboy T-shirts. So we thank everybody for the support. Our patrons are the best. We're doing great there, so we want to thank everybody for that. If you don't want to pay, uh, if you don't want to go through Patreon or you don't want to do a recurring payment, you can do a one-time donation. You go to ifanboy.com support, and there's a link there to donate to us via PayPal. Um, we thank everybody who's done that. And finally, uh, if you don't want to give us any money directly, but you need batteries... You can go to Amazon.com and you can buy the batteries and then Amazon will pay us for the batteries you bought. I know it sounds strange, Not but it fully. Works. Not fully. Only a, a percentage, but those percentages add up. It's kind of like every transaction, there's a half of a cent. That, that, anyway. <laughs> we are rolling in battery money. Exactly. <laughs> what he's getting at. So go to ifanboy.com slash support. Click on the Amazon banner and do your shopping at Amazon. Buy your whatever people buy at Amazon these days and uh, help. Buy your batteries. You know, you want to get some. You want to get some good D cells. Uh, if you got a any toy, or and do they make D cells anymore? Remember they're yeah, but enormous. they're rare. The, yeah. Have I have I told you my problem with toys today? No. All you the know, battery uh, containers have. Uh, they have. They have a screw now. Yes. Every single one. Yeah. I'm saying I lived through my childhood. I made it without that. Come on. You know, someone <laughs> asked us recently why we don't pre-record the ad read. It's because yeah. gold like this comes out of the live read. Exactly. Gold. Audio gold. gold. Audio gold. So go to ifanboy.com slash support to help the gold to be continued to be mined. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. So uh, as we had mentioned at the top of the show, this is not a normal episode. Normally we continue to talk about the books of the week, but we're now we're going to jump right into the email segment. So on last week's show, we put the call out for people to write in emails for this show specifically, but we also – there's some peppered in some older ones as well. We have – I think at this point, 300 unanswered emails in our box. So we're trying to chip away. So basically, and we're not getting anywhere with this, but... <laughs> no. So there's there's new emails in here. There's some old ones, so there may be some old issues referenced. That's why you might hear that. But we'll start with Nick P., who lives in Luxembourg, but is from Newport Beach, California. And Nick P. says, I started buying weekly issues with the launch of DC's Rebirth. While I have been a comic book fan since the 1980s, I mostly had random issues, and then later I read a lot of stories and trades. I love being a weekly reader. I read my books digitally as there are no good LCSs where I live. I use Comixology to subscribe to all the series I read, and I pick up some random issues when I want to try new things. However, on the Comixology app, I pay full price for the comics. While this is understandable, my friend who has started reading with DC's Rebirth has a great local store where he gets 30 to 40% discount on the cover price of brand new issues because he maintains a pull list. Also, back issues there are more than one week old or $1. I understand that he probably just has a great shop, and not all retailers do this, but I can't help but wonder... That if a store can do this, isn't there a way to bring down the price of digital comics at all? You know, there's work to make comics available digitally. I also know that Amazon is taking cut of the purchases as well, but I can't help but feel that there should be more aggressive on the pricing. You have said in the past that digital readers don't really cut into retailer sales because the market is different. Why can't I get my digital comics cheaper or at least get bigger discounts on back issues? Ron, do you know anything about this? I know far more than I want. Okay, so do you want comics business lessons again? All right. Comics business with Ron Richards. Comic business. They cannot price 
the new releases of digital comics to be lower than the cover price because that freaks out the retailers. Is that like a like a like a non-verbal agreement? Is that like a gentleman's agreement, basically? Pretty much, yeah. So that's so that a gentleman's agreement report. as a mafia-like strong arm. Yeah. Well, of of men who hold a very niche market. Right. Right, but when when we as you we all recall from working at Graphically that that we we know that one comic company that wanted to sell their books cheaper digitally and the stores called and said you do this we will stop ordering your books. Exactly. That's not a gentleman's agreement. That's a threat. Yeah. So uh, that okay. is real. That is real. <laughs> that happens. Now your friend's comic book store is absolutely correct. Uh, when I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure your friend isn't lying to you, but I'm not surprised to hear your friend's comic book store is discounting these single issues because, like the my comic store in San Francisco that I shopped at for years at did the same thing because it's the 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 value you get as a recurring customer. It keeps you coming in, and what they're hoping is that you every week you buy your issues and just honestly. For a comics retailer, the way that business works is that as long as they sell X amount of inventory, they stay in business. So they want to get those subscriptions to have those guaranteed things. They can discount them because they have some leeway. The retailers aren't paying full cover price. They're paying uh, – it's a variable discount based on how much volume they buy from Diamond. But it could be anywhere from 30% off cover price to 55 to 57% off cover price. So the, the retailers have some wiggle room on the, how much money they make from it, so they use the discount as a way to get you come in because they hope that you'll buy that absolute or that hardcover or if, that trade. If, you know. if they're moving more volume because of that discount, the books are cheaper to them, and ultimately they might actually make more money from it. Right, exactly. So that is why digital comics will never be discounted, and it's just never. It's I, I'll never say never, but as of right now, I'd be very surprised if they ever go dip below cover price, and it's purely because of cool. the the tenuous balance that the publishers have made between the retailers. The difference is going to be if digital market share takes over to a point where it's dominant, then. Yeah. Then you're talking, but they're not there. So then, if then, you want, yeah. basically, if you want cheaper digital comics. Buy more digital comics and get everyone you know to buy them. <laughs> well, and but the thing is, is that what he's saying? Well, he says, well, why can't I get my digital comics cheaper, or at least give bigger discounts on the back issues? You absolutely can. Yes. And you've got you've got several options there now. For back issues, um, you're, you're for really back issues, yeah. You, if you're a Marvel fan, you can go and per, and and sign up for the Marvel Digital Unlimited app, which is, I believe, comics that are six months or older, and it's basically like Netflix, where you just pay a monthly fee and you can read whatever you want. So there, there you go. Um, and then Comixology recently launched uh, their unlimited product, which has got a bunch of different publishers. I don't think DC has done this yet. No, they haven't. Has gotten into this business. Maybe they will. Who knows? But you do have options to get digital comics cheaper than cover price. That way, if you don't mind waiting for them. Mm -hmm. Nope. Right, let's go to the next one. Next one. All right. All right, fine. You do it. You do it. I was trying to, was trying to be helpful. Eric F., says, I got back into comics in college from getting into the late 90s wave of alternative comics artists. Then through that to the Vertigo books before retrying mainstream books. I imagine this wasn't your scene since it hardly ever comes up, but I wanted a quick opinion on your work of the following authors. Well, Dan well before, before you go into the list, uh, passing some judgment on us, Erica. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. We're, I think we're a little foot in all those worlds. Yeah. Uh, Dan Klaus, Peter Bagg, uh, Seth, Charles Burns, Jason, the Hernandez brothers, Chester Brown, and Adrian Tamine. Well, so now the problem is, is that if you are a recent listener of this here audio right. show, we talk about the single issues that come out, and aside from Adrian Tomine in this list, and eh, maybe the Hernandez, Hernandez brothers, brothers. The, depending on how you want to how you want to um, categorize the recent Love and Rockets releases, or um, Twilight Children. Well, Twilight Children too, yeah. But um, I'm thinking more of the Love and Rockets. You know, I think Hernandez. Yeah. I think Love and Rockets. Yeah, but. Um, 
uh, aside from those, none of them are putting out single issues. They're really doing graphic novels or you know bigger books or things like that. That said, I'm a fan of s- at least 75% of this list. Uh, yeah. Dan, Dan Klaus is amazing. Yeah, we're Klaus fans. Peter Bag, I don't know if I'm a fan of, but I've read Hate. I've read some stuff. I, yeah, I, I've read like a lot of these. I don't feel like I'm an expert on them, but I've definitely read something from all of them. Right. Yeah. Um, Charles Charles Burns. Aside from Black Hole, I haven't read anything. But oh, I don't no, like I no, no. Oh my God, I'm totally I'm totally lying. I I bought, read, and enjoyed that that three that trilogy he did of Tintin. Mm-hmm. Uh, like fucked up Tintin books. Yeah, they were amazing. The Hernandez brothers. I think Connor and I have sort of famously never been able to get into it. Chester Brown. I read his Hooker book, which was fascinating. Yeah. I think we've all done our time with Adrian to mine. Uh, we've all done our time with Adrian to mine. It's so sad. But Adrian to mine is great. And the, 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 recent, the recent optic nerve issues that have come out have been fantastic. I love Adrian to mine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right that it it kind of doesn't fit into our format here. Yeah. You know, this is, this is our way to get butts into seats, I guess, a little bit. But um, well, we, we also, the video we shows also used stuff. to talk about them on our video show, which yeah. is more evergreen stuff. This is a weekly roundup of the books that come out, and it's about mostly – we don't even really talk about digital all that often because it's more about the Wednesday grind, not yeah. the – so. The Wednesday grind. That's the way to promote it. No, that's – I mean, that's kind of what it is. I know. And, and oh, by the way, and, and Hernandez Brothers rule all. I mean, Love and Rockets love it. There mm-hmm. you go. All right, so next email comes from Wes A. from Newport, Minnesota. It says, so this is a question I've been thinking about for literally the last 15 years. Why is Boba Fett so popular? I've been thinking about this, and he does nothing that's cool or badass. He stands around, steers his ship to follow the Millennium Falcon, walks around, complains to Vader, flies on his jetpack once, then gets knocked into the Sarlacc pit by a blind Han Solo. What is the appeal of this character? Why do Star Wars fans love him so much? Please help me. I, you know what? I don't know either of your takes on this answer, and I'm interested to hear them. Connor? He's got a really great design, and he's this silent badass type that doesn't say or do much, and that's always appealed to people. We did not know anything about him. He never. All he said was, what did he say? He said he's, he's a few lines in Empire, no lines in Jedi, right? Yeah. It was he just... said something really cool in Empire, though. Yes. And he's also told by a badass dude... No disintegrations. He's no good to me dead. Yeah, and so he's, he speaks – he talks back to Vader. He's yeah. the only person to do that, yeah. I think, who isn't in the Rebels. Like, he talks back to Vader, and Vader's like, you cool with me, bro. Yeah. So that's something. That's Boba not Fett. nothing. Boba Fett. Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. Also, also, there was – okay, here's the, here's the legend of Boba Fett. And, Wes, you don't mention how old you are, but you, you may or may not know that they actually – this is going way back, even before our time, when we were we were three when this happened, or two or three years old when this happened. But they teased the character with the action figure before the movie was out, mm-hmm. so it built up all this. Who is this guy? And, and, and that, people were, I mean, they were just Jones. It had been three years yeah. since that last movie that changed everything on Earth. Yeah. I mean, he was in the cartoon as well. Yeah, I don't know how popular he was, and then and then so then after Jedi. When you had the dead period, where nothing was happening except for, uh, not fan fiction, but the the sort of books and the extended universe that build out of so the, for the diehards, like there were some great stories told about him, and yeah. he, you know, he was the one that people glommed onto because it was a it was a blank palette basically. Yeah. Basically, so the things that you're saying are the reasons why he shouldn't be cool. Were actually the reasons why people thought he was because you could kind of do anything with him because you were you were making it up. And then you can imprint the thing on, onto him, whatever you think is cool. 
Yeah. Now that said, you're you're right. He does go out a bit like a bitch in Jedi. I don't think. I mean, well, he goes out in a in a in a comedic way. Yes. You know, but it's still. Sometimes fun. you gotta go out like a comedic way. Sometimes yeah. it happens. Sometimes it's good to make an, an exit that way, like a. Uh, you know. The, and this is sacrilege. I know. The Sarlacc burp was later. Yes. That wasn't a rid. They didn't do that. That was Marquand wouldn't have stood for that. No, I'm pretty sure this is the original. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Marquand would do whatever yeah, Lucas yeah, yeah. told that's him a good, to. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was the burp, be... the burp was in the special editions, wasn't it? Yeah, but we're asking, was it in a? It, it was in '83. Was it in Revenge of the Jedi? Um. Oh man, now I don't remember. So there we go. Let's move on. Let's move on. So we had a lot of questions about DC, which is really interesting. I think DC's front front of mind for a lot of people right now. I'm really certain that the burp was in the special editions. All right, sorry, I go on. I know it was in the special editions. I'm yeah. asking if it was in the original movie. Yeah. All right, go on. But it wasn't, I don't think it was... But it was in the special editions, though. It, yeah, I don't think it was in the original movie. I don't think. All right, Saeed from Centerville, Virginia. I am wondering where DC goes in regard to their movies and, has, and the mixed, though mostly negative, reviews of their movies. I'm in the minority of fans who liked Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Suicide Squad. I know there are issues of, or things to nitpick. I enjoyed all three, and I'm legitimately excited about the future films and what they will bring. My question is... What do you guys think DC needs to do to improve the situation? Having to please the fanboys and moviegoers is tricky, and for whatever reason, DC has not excelled like Marvel has. And yet, there are plenty of fans that have liked what DC has put out. Outside of starting over, which I personally do not think is the answer, is there any hope for the current DC something universe? Extended universe. Extended. I think you mean cinematic universe. Uh, DCCU. DCCU. So, there's something here that you said where that you're in the minority of fans who liked it. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people like. A lot it. of people went. We heard from a certain, uh, from a lot of them. I don't know that it's a minority. I think there's a lot of people who like it, and there's a lot of people who don't. And then it's a minority of critics there. for sure. Yes, but that's it, well, that's part of the. I mean, that's part of the the. It's part of the uh, perception of the film. Yes, is that is the critical uh, reaction. Uh, they aren't really beloved like uh, like the Marvel films are. You know, it's interesting. This is not necessarily. A, just for this email, but in general, Marvel controls their films. Disney doesn't control the Marvel films. DC doesn't control the DC films. It's Warner Brothers. Right. So people are always saying, what is DC? It's not DC. It's no, just but DC you, but you, but you got Jeff involved, Jeff Johns. He's involved, involved but, yeah. Yeah. but it's Marvel, more like, it's like, what do you think about this? Well, I don't think you should do that. And Zack Snyder's yeah. like, all right, I'll take it under advisement. Yeah, no, DC, DC autonomy, whereas DC doesn't have complete autonomy. DC, DC, Warner Brothers, and DC have given more control to the filmmakers than that's true. Marvel has, you know, basically what Marvel, you know, Kevin Feige and whoever else is working with him, they're telling what the directors to do and they're executing that vision. Whereas Warner Brothers is inviting people like, unfortunately, Zack Snyder, but also Christopher Nolan, to come and execute their vision, and, and it's rough. So that I mean that that's why they started that. Yeah, I read I read a really interesting thing though about the DC movies. I forget where it was, but it was basically how Marvel has created their movies in a way that it's telling the greater st- tapestry of stories, but you don't need to watch every movie in order to get it. Like if you skipped Ant Man, you still could have watched Civil War, right? right? But it seems as if DC is creating this tapestry of stories that these are just chapters. Mm-hmm. And all of that, you, so you've got to watch Suicide Squad in order to understand what's coming next, or whatever. You know, say what you will, and who knows if they stick to keep it that. But um, I don't know. To your question as to what they, can they do to right the ship, I think they're doing that. I think I think the reaction to Batman v Superman 
has you know that pile Jettison of hot garbage Zack Snyder. has been yeah has been yeah I think that's been heard. Who knows? We'll see. Like I said in the Suicide Squad podcast, I think it was probably too late to fix Suicide Squad, but hopefully, but we're we're hearing rumblings of Wonder well, Woman having problems. Okay, so. Right? so. Look what's worked. If we, if we go into Warner Brothers, we can look what what's worked for them. You know, like Harry Potter worked for them very well, but those books were all the same. It was a singular voice and vision that came out of it. They had to work from. So even when they switched the director around, it was pretty clear what they were working with. DC, like they're like the source material is kind of all over the map. And without that creative committee, basically, you know, like that Marvel has, just saying no, not that this. You know, yeah. they're trying to make each one its own thing. And I don't think they know what people want from that thing. Because I feel like they could say, let's do it like Marvel does, but they don't want to do that. And that's why they're missing. Because they're trying to be opposite of Marvel, so you get Superman destroys Metropolis multiple times over. And people are like, that made me feel bad. Um, I don't know. So uh, one thing over, you know, this is what happens when we do it live. We have someone in the YouTube chat room claiming that uh, they are indeed writing the ship. And that he's working in post on Justice League for a VFX company. And so apparently we have someone who's saying that they are fixing Justice League and writing the ship. So uh, Edward in the YouTube well, chat. It depends room. on what they think writing the ship means. Yeah, I don't want to get Edward in trouble though. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, writing the ship. Me, writing the ship to me means making a movie that lives up to the cultural expectations of these characters and is pretty much universally enjoyed by fans and critics alike. Because that's what you've had. That's the bar that Marvel has set. They make good movies that appeal to the fans, but also appeal to the casual fans. I mean, it starts with, it's that. They have to do that. But also the main thing is they have to figure out Superman. Yeah. Because right now they they have shown they've got no idea what Superman means, says, or does. Yeah. And he's the linchpin of the universe. If they don't get Superman, nothing's going to work. Before we move on next, I uh, also mentioned in the chat room during the Boba Fett conversation was we, which we which we didn't which we didn't acknowledge, but the design of Slave One as his ship was also an additive effect to Boba Fett's mystery. He just had a cool looking ship. It's true. So, yeah. Josh from Boys Ranch, Texas, has I have a feeling about the popularity of Star Wars. I have a question. <laughs> Why did I say feeling? I don't know. I have a question about the popularity of Star Wars. I, like you guys, there's a comma in there, have been a fan for what feels like my entire life, even the dark times between 1985 and 1995, when it wasn't cool to like Star Wars, referenced earlier. Now it seems like Star Wars is back in pop culture vogue, and everybody has jumped back on the bandwagon. To my joy and entertainment delight, Disney and Marvel have flooded the market with all things Star Wars. My worry is, when it comes to the world of entertainment, it seems like when something becomes too popular, you get the inevitable negative backlash. Everyone's looking at me. So my question to you guys is, do you foresee a negative backlash against the popularity of Star Wars where it falls out of fashion, or is it a franchise that is big enough to transcend the doom that has crippled so many others? Is there going to be a Star Wars backlash? There is a Star Wars backlash, but now society is, like, culture is so sort where of Where is the Star Wars backlash? I just think, like, in general, like... Not talk about yourself. No, I don't mean that. I just Culturally. mean, like, like, the people who like it are going to talk about it all the time, and the people who aren't have something else to... But that's not a backlash. I All think right. I think there okay. was a there was there was a there was a valid backlash. We lived through one. <laughs> we lived through one after yeah, the, prequels. the prequels. That was a, that was a backlash. Yeah. That was that a backlash, was. and it and, was deserved. Right. Like, and, I mean, basically, like if the movies keep being good, that's all that matters. Right. That's the Marvel thing. We always said people have worried. Like, as long as the movies are good, they may not be as popular. It may reach a mm-hmm. peak and slowly decline. But as long as the movies are good, and they don't as matrix as the, to it. If they don't matrix to it, right. It'll be fine. And if is, they're not going to do more than one, maybe two a year. I mean, that's really the most you, you can do. 
tell you what, though, like they even get a couple of gimmies. Because, right. Like Marvel too. Marvel could have some shitty movies, like, like, like Marvel Studios ones, and people will be like, "All right, we'll just wait for the next one. It'll be okay." You know, I think Star Wars has one or two of those. If they do like two in a row, I think then you're then you're. In- I'm really worried about these young, dot 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 movies, young Han Solo, whatever. Oh like, yeah, you should. Those it's gonna those be a bad ones, one. Yeah. Those are the ones I'm really worried about that that could start trouble, but. Well, I think I think part of it is because coming out of the prequels, we want them to be good so badly, and so you know, thankfully, the Force Awakens didn't suck, you know. But I, but by no means was it perfect. By no means was it was it Empire or Star Wars or even Jedi. Am I am I you know like I it ranks you know it ranks fourth in my in my rankings, but we we just want it to be so good so there's so much goodwill i think rogue one will really set the tone for the direction yes. of the backlash or the support because if we come out of and i and so, so to go on record the my rogue one media blackout started what back in may so i did not i haven't even watched the new trailer that came out um and i believe people have been fairly positive about it cuz i saw oh my god and then i scrolled very quickly not to see what they said but we live in a society where we get excited for 30 seconds of any video that we've ever seen before. Um, I remember that from when I was eight. Oh my God, right. it's the best thing. Yeah, exactly. But I think that what the I think that the, uh, the the Rogue One will be the will will set the tone. I believe. So we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting. Robert H from Kentucky. Will DC ever adapt Kingdom Come into animation? Also, what is the current status between DC and Mark Wade? 15 minutes thinking of question. I like how he throws it in at the end. Very, very efficient, bullet-pointed, you know, 15 minutes Magic. thinking of question. For the first question, ever is a long time? Maybe in 300 years it'll they'll adapt Kingdom Come? I don't know. I mean, g- given the rate that they're going with these animated movies, whether or not anyone likes them or not appears. They're going um, to have to. Yeah, eventually they'll get to it. The second question may inform that because it's a little chilly between DC and Mark Waite. Yeah. But so I don't think... Dio, does Dan Dio still work at DC? Yes. Yeah. No Mark Waite. I don't think that would affect them doing Kingdom Come or not. I don't uh, think so. This is yeah. DC we're talking about. Yeah, it's also again, this is Warner Brothers Animation, not DC. Yep. Exactly. But uh, Kingdom thing is they tr- they try to make some approximation of the anime of the style of the comics when they make these films, and you know they can't do Alex Ross on screen, so they have to they'd have to really change the way it looked. And I hope they do. I love that. It's one of my favorite stories. So. Yep. We'll see. All right, next question. For some reason, I keep getting... Uh, oh, no, I skipped one. Okay, good. Whew, I didn't get the business question. Uh, <laughs> next question is from Stuart S. from Chelmsford, England, who says, it's been five years since the standard superhero comic dropped from 22 to 20 pages, and I've been thinking ever since, how has this changed the pacing of comic storytelling? Have you noticed any perceivable differences, or has double shipping more than made up for those two lost pages a month? I don't know that those two things are related. They are not. Okay. <laughs> Are there perceivable differences? Well, I think I bet if you ask a professional comic book writer if there's a difference, there is. That two yes. pages can make a big deal. It changes the pacing. It changes when things happen, and it is less space when there already wasn't a lot to begin with. Right. They feel shorter. They feel shorter. There's Although a- it's it's funny though because they book good books feel shorter and bad books feel interminably long because <laughs> no and 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 I and I looked into this because because there's a couple books I read this week 
that may or may not had Civil War banners on the covers. Um, <laughs> I was like, Jesus, how many pages is this book? And I realized that the writer, and I don't know if this makes the writer's hacks or whatever, but there are just so many words on the page. They're, they're just yeah. packing in so much stuff. And, and well, because they have to. They've lost 10% of their storytelling exactly, canvas. Exactly. And, like, and, a big, and a, a, a big indicator of this is that you see sometimes the art doesn't line up with the emotions of the words because I think that they're packing in stuff to tell the story with words as opposed to the visuals, and they're doing it on the lettering pass, not, uh, not on the script level. Letters love that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think uh, it's. I think it's. I think it's for me. It's less of a noticeable. It's more of a subtle difference. I know. I feel a subtle difference reading the books. Yeah. It's not I like think... I, I notice. Oh, there's two less pages. I just feel something is not right here. And even though it's been a while, it well, still other... feels like the single issues are are not. Something's wrong with them. The other right. thing that's happening too is that art has become more. Um, decompressed. I mean, if you look at books from the '80s, they actually had more panels and more words a lot of the time. And now there's sort of less panels per page, and and they sort of, I think, stick with the action and less explication. So, you know, that's, I think that's happening too, to a certain extent. So you, it's a shorter page count, and also there's just there's literally less story per page. That's not necessarily a bad thing. When you combine the two, it makes it feel more slight. Yeah. But I, but the thing is that I don't think double shipping is making up for those two pages a month because I think double shipping is hurting because there's just too much coming out and it's getting too much to bear from an expense standpoint as well as from a reading standpoint. It's it just it, it, they're just coming too fast. Marvel and DC are flooding the market, and it's not a good thing. For the, for the stories, for the reading experience, for the inconsistent art teams, just yeah. on every level, it's, 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 it's good business. It's bad stories. That's my opinion. And, I'm, sti- and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> we moving on? Yeah. Yeah. Whose turn is it? Yours. It's, Yours. Jason B. How did DC beat Marvel's market share in July 2016? A third fewer books. Once Marvel got Star Wars, shouldn't DC have never been able to beat them again? Is Marvel giving the market what it wants or just trying to be progressive and diverse? <laughs> I think we, Those are some also, loaded, loaded two, questions. Two, two question marks. So I think he's very strong on that one. What happened was Rebirth happened, and DC made all of their books returnable so that retailers could order as many as they wanted without fear of being stuck with inventory or money. Yep. Mostly comics are non-returnable, which means the retailers are stuck with what they order, which means they have to be conservative in their ordering. DC made all of the Rebirth books returnable, which means they could order 20 times their normal amount, and they could send them back whatever they didn't sell. So that's why DC... I think, I think Marvel had two books in the top 20, Yep. In in July, because retailers just went crazy ordering Rebirth books because they could send them all back. Not only were they returnable, but there was incentives and there's all this yeah. sort of stuff. And it's this is the business side of things and the gaming of the retail marketplace. Yeah, exactly. It's the gaming of the system that they can do. And this is what this is what drives me crazy about DC is that for whatever reason DC really likes to own one month a year. It's so weird. And 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 then and then everything just kind of peters out and Marvel then dominates the rest of the year. It's the same thing the same thing at Image is that is is that if, have you noticed that The Walking Dead is the best selling book one month out of the year because they the, you know because Kirkman throws everything in the kitchen sink at it in order to do that to say that it was the best selling book one month. You know what I mean? Like it's it's weird ego brinksmanship. It's a one upsmanship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really bizarre, Baseball. you know. To your second question, now that Marvel got Star Wars, shouldn't DC never been able to beat them again? No property will do that. I mean, Star Wars is great, but look, they're putting out 
four books at a time, maybe. And also, that they, those books have declined just like every other book. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, they come no, out nothing they stops they're, that decline except for Walking Dead. They're ending the Darth Vader book. I mean, like that 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 tells you enough, you know, right there. I think that you overestimate the power of the force. Now you overestimate. Um, <laughs> you overestimate Luke. <laughs> You're the taking Lucas, it all for Richards. You're overestimating Lucasfilm, the Lucasfilm branch of Disney, and their desire to have best-selling books versus just having comics and saying they have comics because there's a long history of Star Wars having comics. If they really wanted Star Wars to be a dominant comic seller, you would see 20 titles. Thank, right, so th- thank God, thank God for Lucasfilm. I really um, want like a French New Wave book that in the French New Wave style about the Rancor Keeper. That'd be fantastic. And his, and his ennui. How do you do a jump cut? Yes. Sorry. How do you do a jump cut in a comic book page? Uh, I'm thinking about how it could be done. Yeah. You keep thinking about it. His last question is: Marvel giving the market share what it wants, or just trying to be progressive and diverse? I am not touching with a ten. (laughs) Well, that indicates that that's a negative. No, Um, I'm just saying I'm not. I'm not commenting. No, I'm saying I am commenting. I said that. But when I say something, it's like you two saying it, as we've learned. So That's true. Deal with speaking that. for us. All right. Next question comes from Brad L. from Slidell, Louisiana. Uh, one, I wrote into the show number 450 asking if I should be worried about buying a house behind a rebar manufacturing plant. Two years <laughs> later, and there has not yet been an explosion or other accident resulting in rebar impaled into my house, lawn, or body. However, I do still have to pass 18-wheel trucks loaded with rebar every day on my way out to the main Jesus. highway. Should I still be worried? I think we're all on the same page with this. You need, you to, need, to, you need to move immediately because move. it's really just a matter of time. Yeah. One wrong pothole, those are going all through your windshield. <laughs> and it doesn't take a lot. Just two of them at a, you know. You just need one one rebar piece of rebar with enough momentum to. Right in the throat. Right in the throat. <laughs> That's all you need. So. God, when this really happens, I'm going to feel horrible. You need to move. You need to move. I hope you don't have kids. I mean, that's just that seems like abuse. <laughs> Daddy, I can't go to sleep tonight. The rebar's gonna get me. Yes, son. Rebar gets us all. <laughs> I was up late last night feeding my five-month-olds. There it is, five-month-old <laughs> yes, son. son. <laughs> I stumbled onto the classic GI Joe episode where Cobra is stealing DNA from historical figures to create Serpentor. God, that's great. Yep. <laughs> Apparently, there's a channel called Discovery Family, Family that air, Discovery Family. Of course, that's what they air. That now airs two old GI Joe episodes every morning at 4 a.m. Why wasn't I told about this? Who's in charge? Wait, was he not? Why wasn't I told about GI Joe being on a 4 a.m. on Discovery Family? Or why was he not told about Cobra collecting the DNA? I think the latter. It's the latter. I okay. think he's. A, I think he is relying on us for all his GI Joe news. Which well, is a bad. He's going to be disappointed. Yeah. 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 That was a great story, but let's just talk about that for a second. That I was, learned. That was I not learned a single. It. That was not a single episode. No, it was, it was a, a multi-episode. It, it was a week event, five episodes that were introduced and they were book. They were bookended by live-action Sergeant Slaughter. Slaughter. Yep. Yes. Yep. And those are the kind of issues that absolutely jump-started my interest in history. Episodes. Mm. Like, did I say issues? Yes. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Because, because they, they talked about Genghis Khan. They talked about... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Also, Serpentor might have been the best thing that happened to, to G.I. Joe. Which is odd, because it seems like it would be... It seems like a poochie. Serpentor, Serpentor was during the down the downtime. It was the beginning of the downtime, but it was really cool. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Dr. Mindbender, which is the same yeah. time period. Yeah. So, but, but it's, um, a, it's a razor-thin edge, because then it yeah. went too far in the movie when they made Cobra Commander into a snake. But yes. Serpentor, I was once, I was once this I command... 
yep. you know, uh, yeah. inventing pizza in the comics. I mean, he, he was the gift that kept on giving for many years. I mean, they, they, they really – it was a good gift that kept on giving, but it really it, – it spelled the demise of Cobra Commander because at that point mm-hmm. he had no faith. Uh, the, the, the people beneath him had no faith in him. He became more of a punchline. Well, Cobra know. Commander was, in, in a sense, the founder of Cobra, and he was yeah. pushed aside for a CEO. The board was like – you Cobra can't Commander. run this properly. Yeah. We're bringing in Serpentor. Serpentor has run many major terrorist organizations very Cobra successfully. Cobra Commander is the Steve Jobs of global terrorism organizations. <laughs> he really is. He really is. Oh my God, that's wonderful. <laughs> I, I would, I, I would like to revisit the releases of the release schedule of those episodes. That was the only time in my entire childhood where not only me but multiple people in my class we would run home from school to watch the next episode. Well, this is where would... you miss mass media in the world. And that yes. all, and we were doing it too. Me and all my friends ran home for 3.30, 4 o'clock G.I. Joe. Yep. And everyone watched it. Everyone talked about it the next day. That will never happen anymore. Yep. And it's a sad thing because it bonded you together at school. Yep. It helped you make friends because they were all talking about G.I. Joe in the, in the yeah. playground. So Maybe during the Olympics. That's about the only time. Maybe during class. Josh, there's a lot of requests in the chat room for you to do some Cobra Commander voice. Yes! Did you just tear something? You're going to get polyps. It wasn't in my throat, though. You're going to get polyps. Uh, Ron, uh, question four. Or actually, no, i got to no, do three, three. first. Sir. Yeah. This got me thinking for a good se- eight, seven or eight hours about where kids today, such as my son, will learn important life lessons like red and blue lasers never actually hit anything, and everybody has a parachute. But are we really raising an entire generation that will never know that knowing is half the battle? That's yes. Yes. That's an, important ob- that's an important observation. It's sad when you think about it. Or what to do with down power lines. Yes. Don't touch them. Right? Or I know I was in by that... your bathroom looking in on you. While you're I know I was in that lady's bathroom, but I was trying to help her. She was going to take the wrong pills, man. <laughs> Don't worry about why I was here. Anyway, I'm going to go back down into this puddle over here. <laughs> I just need to fit my beer. Uh, I, I, love, I love the sw- the one when they're at the swimming hole. And yeah. what's his face? <laughs> Six comes up out of the water. He's in a pond. He had to have gotten in there and just waited for his moment. Who knows I think how long? There's gonna be some kids here later. <laughs> uh, it's like I mean, Aqu- it's like Aquaman in the Justice League Detroit issues. <laughs> just waiting in that pool to pounce. Josh, <laughs> Ron, you gotta do number four. Nope, Ron is not a dancing monkey. I, I do well, not. I, I do not. Well, I'm not here to pander to the audience well, like no, some of you. I did no, it immediately. Hold, hold on. First of all, we're all dancing monkeys. But second of yeah. all, his question number four is for old time's sake. Please have Ron pronounce Rusty Auto Parts. Now, if you're an old time listener, you'll remember many, many, many years ago, uh, Rusty Auto Parts was the name of the email writer, and Ron basically had a stroke while reading the name. <laughs> you can't recreate that. That exactly. was magic that happened on the spot. Well, but I have a question. Can you say it now? Well, yes, I can. I know it's rusty it. auto parts. Yes, I know there that. There you go. There you how, go. You did what how I said it the way on that episode. I don't no. think I can ever recreate ever again. No. So. Nope. nope. All right. So. All right. Number ten. Chad from Reseda, California, emails and says, "I have thought about this angrily for the past week." Oh. Oh, jeez. I'm gonna try to read this in Chad's angry voice. DC is out of fucking control with the amount of ads in their monthly issues. I just read Batgirl Rebirth and Batman Number Three, and both those issues have 20 pages of ads in them. Each book only has 20 pages of content. Both books also have eight pages of ads in a row, <laughs> which was so many pages, I forgot the panel I just read and had to flip back and read it again. I com- it completely takes me out of the world I'm trying to immerse myself into. I like supporting my local comic book store, but with a 50-50 ratio of content to ads, I have to ask, does DC want, to- want me to stop reading paper comics? It's a good question. Eight pages no. in a row is bad. I heard about it this is. from yeah. a bunch of people. 
But at the same time, you're not actually getting any less content. There's always going to be 20 pages. Yeah, but it's it's it. I get what he's saying. If, if, there's, eight, if there's eight in a row in the middle of the book, which I, I read was in the middle of a scene. Was that like an insert thing? Like the old, I don't know. like the subway we all story? Read digitally, there's no ads digitally. Yeah. Because the subway stories, I think those were worth it. I don't know. DC traditionally has always been very pro you reading single issues. You remember the old days we'd go to the panels in San Diego, and mm-hmm. I still remember the guy asking to Dio why they didn't have recap pages, and it's because he wanted you to go back and buy older comics. Yeah. To I remember that. They've always been very pro uh, that, so I don't know what's going on. I just don't. I just I don't, don't know. I don't know what's going on. I just don't know what I, I'm not privy to those meetings. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what the deal. I mean, I can't imagine they want you to stop reading single issues. Those. That's their money stream. You got somebody who is selling ads, and they need places to put them, and it's a revenue stream. So they're gonna. They need to make money, especially if they're. You know, if they're not making money other places. So. People are saying in the chat room they're inserts. Maybe they just you just remove them. But they're still there. I mean, it's that's it's. I, I mean, you, you, removing them, then you're gonna you're weakening the the staple. It's, then it's, you're damaging the value right. of yep. this thing that has no value. None. Well, I mean, right. some. Tom C from Solihull, England. Much of my recent thinking time has been devoted to how my country has been taken from beneath my feet and dragged into the dark timeline. So I've fallen behind in my listening. Just when I thought I was done with serious heavy thinking, I got around to listening to episode 541. I am now back in self-imposed exile to consider the nature of Darren Cross's tiny chair and the wider issue of arranging a villainous meeting. If supercrime <laughs> is truly organized, they would have to uh, they would have a reply slip system to get an idea of numbers, dietary requirements, allergies, etc. The most significant tick box would be one assumes be the any other requirements space at the bottom of the slip. Some villains would be easy to cater to. Dr. Octopus would require a stool of some sort so his arms aren't awkwardly struggling with the back of a chair, while Scarecrow would need a room with decent ventilation due to the incidental fear gas pollution. Someone like Rhino, however, would require solid flooring and sizable doors for ease of access. Which villains do you think would require the most work to accommodate, and are there any who just wouldn't be worth the effort? First of all, I don't think anybody has demonstrated the time that they thought about something so aptly as Tom C., Yep. <laughs> Instead of explaining what he did, he showed his work. Right. Bravo. Also, I just want to go ahead. While that was successful, I'm going to ask other people to try not to repeat that. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, the, the, I mean, the, the easy answer here is a, is one of the larger. You know, it's a fin fan foom. It's a ego Galactus. planet. Galactus. Yep. And if you're giant Thanos t- sized. They're not villains. really the henchmen types that we're talking about here, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I immediately thought of Blob. Blob. He's breaking chairs all the time. And they, but, the, but the thing is, is that back in the golden era of X-Men, they did have Blob breaking chairs. Like when the, yeah. when the, when the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants were Freedom Force, and then I remember a panel of him sitting and him going, ah, oh, another chair I broke. So, yeah. I would do that gag twice an issue if I was good. <laughs> I would do it over and over again. Then I would cut to Sebastian Shaw like, I did that. Sighing heavily. <laughs> yeah. No, because he made him heavy. Yeah. No, Juggernaut's he, oh, big... It, who's complicated? I mean, the dietary restrictions are really where you're going to have your headaches. Yeah. Especially now. Because <laughs> you know poison ivy is gluten-free. <laughs> right. Well, what is she? She can't even be a problem. Well, Actually, that... wait. No, poison ivy has got to be on Atkins. Right. Yes, of course. She's yeah. not eating any plants. That makes sense. So yeah. if her cholesterol is terrible, and she is a prime candidate for a heart problem. Yeah. Well, that's according to the old thinking. 
She's not taking in any carbs. <laughs> so what is she eating? Um, bugs, protein, crickets. I see. Yeah, crickets, she's yeah. like a she's like a like a praying not a praying mantis, but the Venus flytrap kind of thing. There was a there was a food truck here recently that had ice cream that was uh made uh, was ice cream but with bug stuff in it, like with oh, cr- cricket powder and all that stuff, and we we just kept on walking. What about Modoc? Modoc. Modoc got on a chair it, big enough to fit in, but his legs are so tiny he can't really sit in it. No, he's also Bo- got a rocket in his butt. Which yeah, he's got self he's got self propulsion, so he can hover in front of the you table. Know, you can't you can't have carpet in your lair. If that's no, the but case. the the, the yeah, you can't have carpet in the lair. But also the problem with Modoc is that you've got a door width issue, mm-hmm. and that the standard human door jam, uh, Modoc's not getting through that. He's not going to turn to his side to slip through. Yeah. You really need you really need to install the the double French doors for Modoc that open up and every, give him enough every clearance. layer has to have French doors. And yeah. even then, yep. Even then, even then. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Gabe A says, "I bet others will ask this, but what did Connor think of Suicide Squad, the movie? Obviously, I want details. Details. <laughs> I haven't seen it. it. I haven't yeah, seen it." Right. So here's here's the question. Are you going to? Yeah, yeah I'm thinking about Labor Day. All right. I'm thinking you go this weekend. No, not this weekend. It's going to be I know, I, No, you go this weekend. No, I think when you go, maybe you and I get together and we record a supplemental podcast. Interesting. Because the people need to know. Because you're the well, guy. You're the guy. I was actually quite happy to be out of town and dodge that bullet when Suicide Squad came out. I know you were. I know <laughs> you were. Things have changed. Yep. Things have changed. I mean, I would have been happy to talk about it, but I was also happy to have dodged it. Yeah. I'll ask the second question. If Josh could go back in time, if the only thing he could do was not get his Green Lantern tattoo, would he do it? So you no, couldn't, like, buy Apple stock or... You can you go know, back in time. You, yeah, you, could, you could only... You could only not get your Green Lantern tattoo. No way. No? I love my Green Lantern tattoo. And that it's a complete joke. It's a giant mistake that I live with uh, that I also love at the same time. All right, I have no problem with that. Good attitude. All right. Next question is from Robert from New Orleans, Louisiana. I hope you're okay. Yeah, hold on. There was a guy earlier from Louisiana. I hope uh, yes. you guys are all okay. And all, of our, all of our prayers and thoughts go to Louisiana, Italy, Indiana. Yeah, it's... It's, the, it's literally I, the end of the world, everyone. I can report, though, that Baton Rouge adjacent native uh, Rob Guillory yep. is totally fine. His family's okay. They live on a hill. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so Robert from New Orleans, Louisiana says, I'd like to know if you are still collecting original art, either pages or commissions, and if so, are there any recent acquisitions you'd like to tell us about? Your podcast was one of the reasons I started a small collection of original art. Ooh. I, I ran as far away from that, that, that <laughs> hobby as possible. You got you got kind of deep. I went deep. I went once yeah. you're once you're into the four digits and higher, then you're deep. Ooh. And 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 I saw the warning signs. And I were I you? Did you cross that line? Oh yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> There's not not even like one time I almost did or whatever. But I mean, only one, and it's worth it. I don't regret it. But you know, what? like you know, so. Well, can I? Well, what is it? Okay, you don't have to. I no, I, I can no. I'm now I'm wondering if I can get up and go show you. Well, Ron, Josh and I'll talk about it while you. Considering uh, that, no, no, considering there's only a hundred people watching, that's that's a uh, uh, no. It's the uh, my quietly page. Oh, all oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, no, everyone here is like, yeah, all right. That yeah, that's justified. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what got me. Goddamn, Ash looked at me and says, "Do you really want someone else to walk out of here with that page?" <laughs> just yeah. he knew exactly how to he talk to you. He knew, yeah, I, he I, I I was there for that. Run it down hard. Yeah. <laughs> I only bought a couple of. 
No, actually, I only bought one. I only have three pages, and uh, it's pricey. It's a pricey hobby. It is, but it's I fun. Think... It's cool. I mean, and the thing is, is that I definitely did stop getting commissions and sketches in favor of original art because I just feel like the commission and sketch game is a game that I'm too old for now. I don't have the energy to do. Like I see friends of mine running around it's at racket. cons and do it. Yeah, find it's it difficult to. Yeah. Talk to people, offer them money, and have them give you a piece of paper. That well, no, but but also there, I've heard, I've, and considering I know, I, I mean, I, I've talked yeah. to so many creators, like I've heard all the bad stories that go along with it, mm-hmm. where you you pay in advance for it and the creator doesn't finish it. I know what cons are like and how stressful they are, and I just would have a hard time asking creators to do more work and just like, eh. And so then I'm like, all right, well, I'll just have a sketchbook and get sketches. But I'm like, you know, what's better than a page that was actually printed? I, I agree with that. that I think only that one that person is... you can have, yeah. So there are a handful of people who I think do amazing commissions, and I, it would be worth it for them. But yeah. mostly, I think the original art is the thing. I really wish yeah. that they still had letters on them. Yeah. I really, that really, I really feel like that's a loss. So I mean, I haven't, I, I haven't bought anything in a while. Well, there's also going to be fewer original art pages in general as they yeah, all yeah, work like centipedes. It's just not something I've been wanting to spend money on. And I would like with commissions, always the thing was like I don't want, I didn't, I didn't want to spend a lot of money, but I because of that I couldn't pick like the one person who I wanted something from because there's so many options and then the opposite of that is just having like a dozen different things and then you have then you just put them in a folder somewhere and you don't ever see them because they're yeah that, that, that's that's my other thing too is that like i've got two portfolios of original art and you know one is on a shelf in the closet the other is in a storage unit like it's it's they're not i mean like, it got to the point where i got so many that i could not frame them and display them all so i said all right then i'm not going to display any of them so yeah. i mean once you had pretty much paid off all of mckelvey's Student loans yeah. from his his first home. <laughs> he he yeah. upgraded a new home because of Rob. Yeah. Hey, he was you know he, I'm, I'm I help you know it was a time when he wasn't as well known and I knew and that said I did think about it I was like you know if I ever am in a tight space I probably get a pretty penny for those McKelvey. Oh, I thought you were saying if, if something happens we, we can just have him killed. <laughs> no. And no. then your art will go be more more valuable. Uh, you were his creepy benefactor. I was. I was. <laughs> I only have a Darwin Cook page, and I, I feel like that's... That's all you yeah. had? You had a couple of other... Well, well, the only one I've ever bought was a Darwin Cook page. Oh, okay. I remember that as well, too. On my, uh, on my living room wall. We all, we all got one, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I remember... I, I remember... He told Swiss Stupid. I, yeah, I remember going up to him to get it signed, and he's just like, that was a lot of money, man. And I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> You're the one pricing him. I know. <laughs> so. I, would, I maybe would have followed like, you know, you're the one in charge of discounts here. Yeah. <laughs> and then later, how are they hear all these stories about him just giving away art to everybody? Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, let's skip 14 and go to 15. Okay. Tyson from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, I have been pondering this question off and on for the past few years. Pretty good. I have gotten in the habit of buying trades of old classic or great runs and reading them. Currently, I'm reading the Lee Kirby Fantastic Four. I know I'm late to the game. Never too late, buddy. Uh, and the Grell Green Arrow run. Uh, with companies reprinting so many, so much of their old stuff in trades, is there a run that, for whatever reason, you have not read yet that you would love to go back and read? Or uh, with being in the iFanboy business, you've already read everything you want to read. Is there a run you want to reread? Uh, I, for all of us, there's stuff we haven't read. There's just so you much. couldn't read everything. It's impossible. No, I've, re- I've read it all. I read it all. It's too late. It's too late. I read, it all. I read it all. I'd read everything. Um, I would love to read the Peter David Hulk run. I've read bits and pieces of it, and that's when it stuck with me for, you know, since as long as it's been out. Or it was a run at the time I wasn't reading 
that everyone I knew was reading and really loved it. And uh, I, re- I would read an issue here and there and enjoy it. It's just one of those epic runs that I, it's always in the back of my mind I want to read. Because I've always liked Peter David's long runs. I loved his Aquaman run. I loved the Supergirl run, X Factor. I just, for yeah, some reason, never read his Hulk run. The Pantheon issues, right? Yeah. So but not, uh, that was that's Hulk, Hulk was... Uh, he was uh, Mr. Gray. Or he, was, uh, he, well, no, he ranged a lot. Yeah, he was He was Mr. Fix-It. Fix it, yeah. Gray, but then he also was green, but had his all his banner faculties. And there were, right. and, then, and then there was the, the the future Hulk. What was his name? The Maestro? The Maestro. Yes. Yeah. Future so. and Perfect. Yep, Future and Perfect. That's what it was, yeah. You remember the shot in the Solo Wolverine series? I think it was John Buscema who drew it. With like, There's like a page where it's, it's just Mr. Fix-It Hulk. It's just one of my favorite images in comics ever. Like, just the way that they drew him. Like, you'd turn the page, and he was just standing there because that was, like, the reveal for the issue. Right. That's one of the first things I ever read. I was like, that just looks awesome. I don't even know what that is, but I want to know more. That was a great Marvel era. Yes. Yeah. I'm, yeah, there's tons of stuff. I mean, I haven't read all to Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Fantastic Four. That'd be a really good thing. Oh, that, I, read that, I read that a couple of years ago through the omnibuses. That was a lot of fun. I read – I mean, it's not, like, the same thing, but I think a year or two ago – I finally finished all of Hitman. Um, nice. Did a red right through, and that was I was so glad to be able to do that. That was fantastic. Yeah, I yeah. did. This. I finished it too. I mean, there's tons of stuff that 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 I'd want to reread. I look at it every day, and I think, oh, I need to reread that again. Like I reread Parker, um, mm-hmm. not too long ago. Honestly, I can't think of I can't think of anything I would want to reread, and. Did? And I can't. Oh yeah, no, I, no. There's, there's one. I would, I would, I would go like to go back, not reread, but a run. I would like to probably Fables. Hmm. Whoa, just, whoa. Fucking, yeah, no, he's fucking I, with I, you. I actually downloaded the Jeff Johns Flash run. Oh nice. And, like I had them all there. Like I'm gonna read through this, and I thought, who are you kidding? You're not gonna read. Have you read Mark Wade's run in Flash? I read them as they were coming out. Yeah, I think I read all of it. Yeah. Well, that's as good. Was, as it he, coming out. It, you don't need to have read it for Johns, but it really builds off of what Wade did. Yeah. All right. I want to. You know what I want to read? I want to read Punisher Max. That's one of the runs that I oh, really want to read. That was fun. That's one I also want to reread. All right. Scarlet from Hell's Kitchen, New York. No, I didn't move here because of Daredevil. That was a factor. That's, a, from, that's, a, that's a good. That's a good factor. I'm, I'm a big fan of Hell's Kitchen. I believe it's called uh, Clinton. Clinton. Not anymore. They seem to have dropped that. I believe. It's because people want edgy. Scar- Scarlet well, says. It's New Yorkers. They don't like. Anyway. I've been contemplating this question since I realized the disaster the New 52 was. I subsequently found a mountain and have become a hermit, trying to wrap my head around the answer <laughs> for years, and I've subsequently become Nietzsche's <laughs> Zarathustra. Which is interesting because Hell's Kitchen only has one mountain, <laughs> and so now we know who lives in it. So it's up, it's up by uh, 57th and 11th. Scarlet says, what do you think Tim's place in the Bat family is anymore? Damien <laughs> ruined everything, and I fear DC doesn't know what to do with him anymore, just doesn't care about him. I used to really enjoy the Red Robin books, and of course I love his Robin solo title. Damien doesn't seem to elicit strong reactions from readers aside from hatred, but DC seems to be intent on using him. I read that Tim will be appearing in the costume variation of his Robin costume in Rebirth. Clearly this is an older emo, which is interesting. You think DC is going to be continuing sideline, sidelining Tim? What do you see as his future? As someone who loves Tim so much, I, get a re- I even have a Red Robin tattoo. This question is very important to me. Wow, a Red Robin tattoo. Wow. Scarlett, would you Robin. go back in time? <laughs> and remove that? I guess not. I'm guessing not. Wait, is it a red Robin tattoo, or is it a Robin like Tim's logo with the pointy that R? That red is capitalized, so... What is red you know, Robin I was logo? walking in... I was walking, I was walking in Disneyland 
and there was a uh, girl, woman, I couldn't tell her age, younger than me, who had the Robin logo tattooed on her shoulder. And I was like, oh, you don't see the Robin logo, like the Tim Drake Robin tattoo mm-hmm. logo. And I was like, right. I don't see that often. So, anyway, there you go. Well, this, this email came in before the relaunch re- of Detective, which we see that Tim is a major character in. And it's closer. It's, it's better, Josh, I think. But it's still, it's still not quite Tim Drake. It's better. I, it's better, though. I, I don't know. I, I think you've got, you've got Damien, who is a Grant Morrison creation, who on paper... We, and we liked a lot for many years. Yeah, and he also certainly, like, as a as a a side character to Batman, that certainly seems like there should be some rich veins there. Right. It's Batman's, you know, son, uh, and his grandfather is Ra's al Ghul. I, I I'd be reluctant to get rid of that character too for for a bunch of reasons. I think the problem is that I was gonna say embarrassment of riches, but I don't know if that's true. But there's 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 too much there, so they're they're trying to build up the Bat family, the Bat army. But I liked I it, it worked better when there was more focus. Basically, is my point. They're trying to do too much. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. So it was like when Dick went to be Nightwing, you know, then there was another guy, and, and Nightwing wasn't so involved. But then again, I think back to the Chuck Dixon era where you had Nightwing pretty involved. You had a, a Robin book with Tim Drake. You had Batman and Detective, and and then Batgirl. Well, he had, he had well. a robust family. He had yeah. Nightwing and Robin and Batgirl and Spoiler. And Red Hood for a while, and I mean that's a lot of people. Huntress, yeah. Um, it just Damien changes it it's in the same way that Jonathan changes Superman. Yes. I'm not a and and I'm Josh. I may disagree. I'm not a fan of having these two guys be dads. It just it it ages those characters. It changes them. Um, you know what's funny is that I don't ever feel like Bruce Wayne. Ever feels like a dad with Damien. It's almost like a stepdad on the weekends, or like a like a not stepdad, but you know, like a like a weekend dad. Like he's just like mm-hmm. sure, but you're gonna go back to your divorce dad. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. It doesn't feel like he's a parent in that sense. It it does feel like that in the Superman book. That Clark Kent, for whatever reason, like he his motivating factor through this whole last thing has been to protect his family, which is different than his previous motivating factor. Which is to protect Lois to a certain extent, but also Earth. But this is all about keep Jonathan safe. I don't think I'd ever really noticed it, but it is different. But at the same time, it is a focus for Superman because one of the problems with Superman is that I don't think I don't think we've ever really known recently in comics what he cared about, what it you know what was his thing. Right. I don't know. I tend to think of every Superman story as an Elseworld. So as long as I can care about it in that story as a context, mm-hmm. that's, that's the best I can get out of it. For me, for me, it's like it doesn't matter what's going on with Tim or Dick or J- Jason. It's that there's always his biological son in the wings as the actual Robin. Yeah. Which is why I think Duke is not a Robin. He's whatever he is in the yellow suit. Because now they can't get rid of Robin. They can't have a new Robin because his son is Robin. What they could have done is either killed him off when Morrison killed him off and just left him dead and had, had Morrison told the complete story. Or they could have turned him back to his dad, his grandfather's side, and made him evil, and had that. Been, yeah, or keep Batman. Or keep Batman dead. Well, they were never going to do that. But if they could I have know, made that, like, his that son, worked really well too when it was when it was Dick and Damien. That worked. But the, really the well. tension of having his son be Ra's al Ghul's kid more than his own. Yeah. 
which it was in the beginning. And but have they buried back. that, though. Now that, I'm, I'm just saying that's all I could have been okay with, is all those things. Now, Damien is always going to be Robin because he's he's his son. Mm-hmm. You can't kick him out of the costume and put Tim back in it, or Dick back in it, or Jason in it, because it's his kid. He could so be, for me, it, they can age him, and he could he could be like... Well, they did. He's now 13 instead of 10. Yeah. Because he's got to be in the Teen Titans, so he's got to be a teenager. So, yeah, that's uh, messed up. So they, they, it's, they're, not, he, it's not good. I don't know that it's necessarily that bad, but it does change everything. And if that's less... Then again, if you can grow Alfred's hand back, you know, anything's possible. I would, if I was in charge, he would just never appear and they would never mention it again, like Richie Cunningham's older brother. <laughs> just, he went upstairs and never came back. I would literally send him upstairs in one issue and he would just never come back. Yep. And I would be fired in six months. No, like, you would have some guy from a podcast ask you at every single, <laughs> every single time you see him in every press in the closet. It's what dangerous. happened upstairs? No more questions. No more questions. Next up, uh, seventeen. Seventeen. Adam from Florida says, "I've always been bothered by the fact that Angel from the X Men somehow has the power to fly, despite his wings not being aromatically designed for flight." <laughs> Let's work on what that word should be. Aerodynamically. Yeah. But okay. it looks like some spell check along the line will change it to it. aromatically, which means they don't smell like they can fly. <laughs> <laughs> That's not you his fault. up there, boy? Yeah. Don't smell like you can. Uh, I've been I'm, thinking about this for I'm about 25 years. Really and looking for in the execution, Adam. I'm looking for wings that smell like they can fly. Ever since the X-Men cartoon, so I believe that this is an appropriate amount of time. I know it's illogical to harp on this in a comic where uh, Mystique and Cannibal exist, but I just can't get over it. Do you have any hang-ups about characters or stories that leave you saying, I just can't have it. I can't yeah. have it. Can't have it. Can't, can't have, have it. it. Can't have it. Can't have it. That's a good can't fellas listener. Uh, <laughs> can't have it. Can't have it. When you see them despite your better wisdom that it shouldn't be a problem in a comic. So do we have any any of those dumb illogical hangups? No, the comic stupid glowing fucking spider. Yeah, well, that's one for you, Josh. That's not a power, but it's I yeah. mean it's just a bad design choice. Yeah. I think that Tony Stark really pushes the boundaries of logic. Even that fictional logic with sort of the well, his suit can do anything and keep up with anybody's anything. Well, yeah, and now his his office and his lab and everything can just do everything, and he talks out loud and shit happens, and, like, it's, yeah, and devoid. We go in the helmet. And I, yeah, yeah, it's devoid of any logic or... Okay, here's the thing. Can't have so it. it's, we're at the point in the comics now where Tony Stark as Iron Man, and they're pretty much the same thing at this point, he gets to go toe-to-toe with Hulk or Thor, and I think that's bullshit. Yeah. <sighs> Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's not. He's he's in a can. I had End to contemplate and take a sip of beer for a second. Uh-huh. I, I don't necessarily agree, disagree. Yeah, think about it. You know, he's a man. He's spam in a can. Yeah, and I don't. And then and then there's always the oh, he wasn't really in that suit. And so there's always an out, and it's not. Well, that's not and really it makes sense. Lot. Like yeah. if you if you think about how technology is, it makes sense that all of his shit would be connected. It makes sense that he wouldn't be in that suit. Why would he be in that suit? Doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's not not safe, but. Doesn't make sense. Can't have it. And I have a problem because I really don't think that the the Iron Man suit, as it's currently designed, smells like it can fly. I think it just, <laughs> I, I just I can't have it. It doesn't smell the right way at it. all. I mean, you really want to get that canned air, plain smell. Let me just ask you a question. Does chorizo smell like flight? <laughs> <laughs> Let me 
ask you another question. Is the suit in his wife's name? What? <laughs> nice. <laughs> I get it. Can't, Can't have it. Can't have it. Yeah. All, right. All right. Moving on. Jimmy from Jersey says, I finally bought a page of comic book art. Greg Hinkle art for Airboy. Nice. Nice. Interesting first choice. Good job. And I would like to frame it. What is your preference for framing? Plexiglass or glass? Does glare bother you? I don't care about fading because it's something I plan to keep. Okay. I mean, you should care about fading. I, yeah. And then you absolutely should care about fading. And I'm not even going to let the other guys talk. We can give you your answer. I have a rule and then something for you to go buy. The rule is never, ever spend more on the frame than you spent on the art. Okay. Um, no, because I bought a Strangers in Paradise print in 1998 that was signed by Terry Moore for $50. I thought it was amazing. I spent $350 framing it. Oh, that's, and, that's, yeah. that's so, a different story. Because I, I didn't know what original art was versus a print or whatever. But that said, if you're buying original art, you want to display it in a very clean but also safe manner so it doesn't fade – you want to go to bcemylar.com, Bill Cole Enterprises, and they have a product that is called the Universal Archival Collector's Display Frame. And it's basically a frame, but it comes with – it's a frame. It comes with four little clips to slide the art in, so those little you know kind of things. It comes in with UV inhibitor plexiglass front as well as a Mylar sheet to go behind it. And it just, it's sized perfectly. It's designed for comic art. I can second this endorsement. Yes, and the thing is, is that they cost thirty-eight bucks each. So, like, it's it's not it doesn't break break the bank, but they're it's it's just it's a it's a clean, modern, simple-looking frame and displays the art and protects it at the same time. So I just take it to a frame and I get museum glass and I get the full enchilada. Yeah, and how much do you pay for that? A lot, because it's a Darwin Cook piece. Yeah, I paid a lot, but I don't regret it. Yeah. Well, it depends. If this is the only piece of art you're going to buy, like Connor or whatever, then that, that could make sense. But if you were get it, if you want to build up a collection, you want to display it, this is a affordable way to do that. Do they just sell art size or do they sell comic size? They sell both. Hmm. All right. All right. Uh, David L., I wanted to ask, what is your opinion on comic ratings? Ratings. 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 Or reviews from websites like CBR, The Comics Journal, IGN, Newsarama, or other similar comic websites? In my experience, a lot of these t- sites can be very loose with their reviews and end up sounding more like the writing of company PR or marketing teams with every comic getting glowing reviews. Comicosity, I'm looking at you. Instead, of, oh, This is David's words, not mine. Instead of real criticism that informs the consumer and holds creators to a high standard, is it a bias towards characters or companies that's preventing people from making critical judgments? What's the point of a review system if every comic is great? As a comic review podcast, what is your approach on how you review or evaluate how good a comic is? I've been thinking about this for about five months. Okay. Well, wait, wait, wait. No, no, let me. I know you have. I know you have things. But let's just say, first of all, have any of you read a comic book review? No. Um, yes, okay. I have. Outside I have. of a professional context, Ron. Right. As a no. consumer. Like, well, no. I'm saying I haven't read one since we've been doing our own thing. Yeah, uh, basically, like, we're bad to ask. But also, it's, it's funny because you're mad at them, but you seem to be very familiar with all of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've read a lot of them. You have, you have beefs. Uh, I, 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 can't, I can't even speak to it. I don't, I don't read them. Can't have well, it. Well, here's, well here's, here's what I'm going to say in defense of those kind of reviews. Sure. Um, here's a little anecdote of something that happened recently. Many, many years ago in a previous life, I wrote a lot of reviews about a type of media that was not comic books. I wrote a lot of record reviews, wrote a lot of music reviews from 1995 through 2002. And um, recently, a moderately popular music 
podcast slash site has discovered a cache of my former reviews and has been posting them on Instagram. And let's just say they're not my best work. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that oh God. I remember sitting in front of the keyboard, grinding out review after review because the record companies that sent them. You read the you read the one. You did the little you, capsule ones. You did, you did dozens. Yeah, of we did. Yeah, just it was one paragraph. It weren't very long. But even then, it's like there's only so many ways you could describe pop punk in 1998. You know, like it was. You, only so many yeah. words, I'm, and I'm not a good writer. And you were, yeah, and, and it, like you got yeah. better, but at that point, no, you you're a good writer. Who needs an editor? Yeah, yeah, That's... exactly. So writing reviews is a very, very difficult discipline, and we, you know, for for however many years, we, we you know, on a weekly basis, we would like, we wouldn't write capsule reviews. We wrote at minimum. What was our minimum? Was it a thousand words or eight hundred yeah. words? Eight hundred words. So you know, like so. <laughs> Sorry. I have a follow-up, actually. Sorry, there's a chat. Very great. There's a great comment in the chat room. Yeah, I saw it. And that we should get Frankie Carbone to do comic reviews, which I agree with 100%. Actually, you know what? I, I do have a follow-up to what he said. My only exposure to comic book re- reviews is seeing on social media um, when pros complain about them. Yeah. <laughs> and pros, not all of them. Some of them get really upset that the people aren't any good at it, in their opinion, and it pisses me off. Usually means it's negative, that's why. Well, no, it's not only that, but people expect... First of all, nobody likes reviewers. Nobody likes them. Nobody appreciates what they do until, like, way after the fact. People will be like, oh, Roger Ebert did something good. But for the most part, like, they're, they're mad they don't have the job, they're angry about whatever, and all of comics press is, is basically a fan-run charity. Yeah. And it like at best you can hope for is getting free comics to read, and honestly that is not. Nobody's giving away nice reviews just for that. It's not. It's not worth it. But also it's just it's people in training. There's no professional system. There's no editorial staff in place. There's a handful of people who are really good at it who have jobs at it. But you didn't go to the Columbia School of Comic Book Reviewing. No, they didn't, and no one did. And. You know, let's let's be realistic about where comics exists and 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 what sort of talent pool you're going to be drawing from for people who are willing to put in the time and effort over a long time to really learn the craft and talk about it. It's they're not there, and if you are doing it, you're learning on the job. Yeah, we learn on the job. I mean, yes, we're getting lots of praise in the chat room, which I really super appreciate. But go back and if you could Don't go, go back, back and find our our old our. Our pick of the week reviews from 2001, 2002. Oh, they're awful. They are terrible. They are terrible. They're even terrible through the beginning of this podcast. Yeah. We learned for 15 years, 16 (laughs) years, 16 years now of doing it. That's how we learned on the job training. And we learned to very specifically figure out, like, what makes things work and, and what we like and how that. And that's another thing, like. I think I think we've all decided that there's a certain subjective element to comic reviews that you're never going to get away from. Yeah. And it is bad. I think it's just a generally a bad thing to just say they should have done this in the comic, but trying to rewrite what it is. But well, you can I, I think that I, I mean I think that harkens back to our rule that we adopted very early on, both on the podcast and in the writing. And actually Josh, you called me on it earlier on this show, which is don't just say this sucks. Why yeah. does it suck? Why is it bad? Like be able to, you know, don't don't just fall back on loud proclamations of good or bad. 
throw some analysis to it and you know and, and in this particular case like earlier today we we're talking about Scott Collins's art you know and I, I thought the coloring was too bright and was not not as uh, muted as I'd previously liked his work and that's a thoughtful analysis and and that's uh that's something that's made me a better critic I think over the years that we've been doing it for and then further the other thing is like he said a lot of them are, are uh positive. good positive reviews we're guilty of that yeah we tend to not do negative reviews for Several reasons. Sometimes you do. I mean, Paul Jenkins did a Century book, and it had to be talked about. But like, people got to know. People got to know. People got. But that was years ago. I mean, like, really, our our. Well, we I disagree think, and stuff. But the point is, we decided we were going to celebrate what we enjoyed and hope yeah. that other people would enjoy them too. That was our mission statement. That was our Tom Cruise writing a, writing a memo. Maybe that's what these other sites do too. I don't know, but that's what we just, mm-hmm. we decided to do. There's no there's no fun in spending an hour tearing stuff apart. For me or for us. For, yeah. Yep. There you go. I can't speak Opinions. to you. All right. Jared from Muncie, Indiana. Reverse Jared here. Still working my way backwards through podcasts, and I've made it to episode 294. Wow. I recently went back to school to get my master's in archival studies. Well, look at that. Looks like it relates. And it made me wonder, do you guys know of any comics archive? I know there are digital archives online, but I haven't been able to find out if there is a physical location where researchers can go study the art form. If not, I feel there's a missed opportunity as an archive exists for almost every form of literature. Talk for a second. I think there is. I don't there's, know. If there's there's a... archives in each each company. Marvel has an archive. DC yeah, has an archive. yeah. No, the the companies have their own archives of their own work. But as far as like a public, like academic archive, I I agree with you, Josh. I want to feel like there is some. University of Michigan. Okay. Has the comic book and graphic novel research? Because there was a guy who used to be around a lot. Uh, and they would do – like, because one of our fans who I just don't hear from as much anymore, and we would talk to him about stuff every once in a while. Like, there's a there, – I think they have an archive at the University of Michigan, and you can search – if you search University of Michigan comic books, you're, you're, I'm finding a bunch of uh, resource pages here. They work with that a lot. So I know that th- that does exist. You can look into it if you are an academic and you're uh, working on your master's. I would start there. I feel like somebody's got to have one. Ryan Haupt, our buddy, our writer, the co-host of our animation podcast, says in the chat room there are Stanley scripts at the University of Wyoming in the American Heritage Center, which is not quite what he's saying, but it's it's an archive of comic-related material. Right. Wow, I'm looking. I'm, I'm just. I I happen to end up on the Columbia University website, and there's a whole section about graphic novels and the awards and publishers and how to search for them. Collection. It's probably not. Oh, here, here it is. Found it. Found it. I knew it. Okay. Great. Josh, you are right, and the thing I didn't say was right. There's the comic art collection at Michigan State University, over 200,000 items, primarily comic books, over 1,000 newspaper comics, extensive secondary materials. The other one I was thinking of, which I didn't say, is the Cartoon Research Library at Ohio State University, a comprehensive research collection of all aspects of American cartoon art, including strips, comics, comic books, graphic novels, editorial cartoons, sports, magazines, etc. It looks like there's one at uh, Duke University, at Indiana University, there's the Michael E. Uh, Uslin collection. Yes. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a professor there. Yeah, he yes. donated, and he donated his collection to the university. There's also uh, Library of Congress, Serial and Government Publications, Popul- Popular Culture Collection, and it looks like there's a collection on the government side, and Brown University as well, too. You got some. And there's also, um, I would, I would uh, give local props to the Museum of Com- Com- Comic and Cartoon Art, MOCA, here in New York as well as the Cartoon Art Museum in San Francisco. Those are both great resources for those sort of things. There you go. Cool. All right. Craig from Houston. 
I was looking at, through my computer and I found some old iTunes files that had your old video shows from the iFanboy heyday, Don't Miss, Talksplode, and you three doing interviews at cons. As I think of my question, I feel transported to about six years ago, so I can say that I've been thinking about this for over half a decade. Do you think you'll keep all the great content going? And I know that it will. It, it, I know that it stopped as you closed the active website down. But with Patreon, will you all become a semblance of the iFanboy that existed when I first found you all? Who knows? No. Time will tell. No. <laughs> no. no. I mean, not not in that sense. This like yeah. we're way different. Life has changed a lot. Like it's. I mean, I hate to be like that's a younger man's job, but like sort of the drive to do it certainly was. Yeah. Well, you get, you get enough patrons. You get enough of your buddies out there. Yep. We can talk. Yeah. We we, de- we definitely have an extensive list of goals that can unlock things. So there you go. You never know. But probably not. Yeah. Most likely. <laughs> I mean, and, and the part of it is also because that was what we did at that time, and now our interests have evolved and changed, and personally as well as professionally, and things like that. And you know, even if I mean, even if somebody came and well, I mean, we've always said it that if an eccentric benefactor showed up. Um, but even if one did show up, I, 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 it wouldn't be in the same form it was six years ago. That's the industry's exactly. different. The industry's yeah. different. That too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would be a different thing that we would want. That we, we would approach it from a different place. Because yeah. the fact is, we did that once, and yeah. it failed. I mean, it didn't fail, fail, but it's not. You know. I wouldn't call it a failure. Just we did yeah. it, and right. it was what it was, and we. we but it, and it sort of reached its nadir. You know, like it. In that form, so it would have to be a different thing. All right. Sad C from Huntington Station, New York. Nice. Represent. I've been thinking a lot lately. Three months, five days, twenty-two hours, eight minutes, twenty-two seconds, to be precise, about the advances in technology for media usage, and the way VR is starting to become integrated into games. My question to you is, if you could play out any comic book story from any character's perspective through VR, which would it be and why? Well, so so is it is it. Active or passive VR? It's, it's because be passive. like you're experiencing the story. So I'm just standing there watching like like uh, Bill Murray and Scrooged. Yes. Or I'm, no, I, you're, you've got to be from the perspective of a character, but it's still got to be passive if you're following a story. But do I get to be Wolverine? Or in are you there talking about like a holodeck thing where you're just in? Yes. You're Captain America in the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. And and, now, and as opposed to walking up to Thanos and standing up to him, I hide behind a right. asteroid. Yes. yes. Uh, so what would sure. you choose? I would Dark Phoenix Saga. Who would you be? Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Josh? Uh, I don't know. That doesn't seem like something I would want to do. <laughs> <laughs> seems like there'd be a lot of vomiting involved. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, it's one of those questions that somebody thinks about, and I think, who thinks of that? So, I'm like, so, I want to read the story. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to live through them. You don't want to be the story. No, I don't want to do that. No. no. I mean, what's the one where they get to like take naps and have lots of sex? What's that story? Oh. <laughs> you can even have beer. I would. Uh, I, I think I'd, I'd want to do an event story. Like the good ones yeah. are all so harrowing. Right. Well, you're not actually gonna die. Yeah. It's, well, it's virtual. So you're going to feel like you're going to die. Well, the thing is, if you die in VR, you die in real life. That's what nobody oh. realizes. All this... I'll be oh Captain Infinity Gauntlet. That's fine. We'll do that. I would do Sandman. What those about gra- Starman? Those graphics would be you sick. You could go antiquing. <laughs> I bet he took naps and had sex. I bet. I bet All that right, was Josh. his thing. What number that 24. was... 
got okay, Final Fantasy 4. Damien from Pittsfield, Mass. Not far from here. I've been thinking about my question since the year 2000 when the movie Unbreakable came out. In the movie, Mr. Glass theorizes that superhero tales have been around for thousands of years. Do you agree? Will Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, etc. exist in some form hundreds of years from now? What will they look like? I think that I think that uh, that movie borrowed a lot from Grant Morrison's theories as well. I don't think it's a theory. I think yeah. it's it's a I mean it's a, almost a philosophy. It's just a, a way of looking at it. Yeah, I mean those stories existed for a long time. I can't think of the the Beowulf. You know that's a, that's a right. story. You could go so far as to say, and I think that's what Grant Morrison said, is that the myths of the gods were were basically that, and the and the you know the stories that were told of them are like Norse gods or Greek gods. You know those were their versions of superhero stories, that they were also a religion, and now they're turning back into that. <laughs> this will Marvel will eventually replace religion, uh, in our in our future Bill and Ted society. It turns out it wouldn't be the music of Wild Stallions, but the stories of. Tony. Well, if you um if you take it literally, so Superman hasn't even been around a hundred years yet. Will it be around in hundreds of years? Is, will Warner Brothers still exist in hundreds of years? That's a really good question. Well, I'm well. If Disney has anything to do with it, then uh, all the Marvel characters will exist just like Mickey Mouse, right. because because right. public domain and copyright laws be damned. But um, I, yeah, I mean, because at some point, more. I mean, a, according to copyright laws, at some point, Superman will become public domain. Um, and oh, I don't think it ever will. You know, they'll ever happen. No, I mean, no, Disney, no. Disney's done the done, done Disney's a good job. precedent yeah. that that they will never allow the characters to do public domain. Neither will any of the major ones. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, I got I got to assume that they will be around in a hundred years. I think what? I feel like they they've crossed over from they've crossed over from you know media properties to you know the, it's the kid with the red blanket tied around his neck running down the block. I mean, but yeah, like, will yeah. they won't have blocks then or running? <laughs> <laughs> do you think? That it will be a thing that people know about as part of history, or will still be an active, ongoing thing. I think it'll be an active, ongoing thing. Really? I think Superman, These Batman. Specific things, not a version of them. I think I think Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Captain America aren't going anywhere. Whether or not we have a, a Nova series a hundred years from now. Triathlon. You're right. Or, yeah. Rage. Right. <laughs> that, that is debatable, but I think that the 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 pantheon. The greats, you know, and I wouldn't even include X Men in that, or Fantastic Four, right. or the Flash, or anything like that. I think, I think, really, it's going to boil down to the icons of the of both companies, you know, which is Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Spider Man, Captain America. Yeah. I'm not even convinced there's going to be society in hundreds of years. Yeah, the way, hey, the way, the way, the the way the temperature is heating up around here, I don't think we're going to be around much. It's only going to be electrolytes. Yeah. So. Our final question. All right. Wakanda R writes in and says, on a previous show, Connor said we might be in a bit of a renaissance in this comic world when it came to the favorite slash best comics question. I posed this question a few months ago, and you're all emphatic that we were not. Are you changing that tune? I think the focus on short series comics is a huge shift, as you know the books like The Vision and many of the image books. We'd like to hear more on this. I thought about the amount of time it took Connor to say renaissance. Well, Um, the difference between then and now is that I think DC is in a better place than it was then. Marginally, no, not marginally. There are yeah. there are there are a lot. A year a year before Rebirth, there was not a lot to talk about at DC. There was one. Well, yeah, but I, I say marginally because we're two months in, and and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Insane. We yeah. were talking. There was one to two DC books worth talking about. Yeah, 
Okay, but is there, there industry industry wide movement going on? Like that uh, one company has has. Well, it's a, it's half the it's basically a forty percent of the industry. So the forty percent of the industry has re- less. Has yeah, a, but they lurch themselves out of having a bunch of really boring books to having a lot of books that are interesting, but are coming out so rapidly that I don't think people are going to be able to keep up. I don't know that's, that not, that's that. not the point. Though. The point is there are now thirty to forty percent of the industry is worth talking about again, which where it wasn't two years ago. That's a but major the, shift in the industry. But does, but does, but does, that, does, that, does that make a renaissance? That doesn't no, make a renaissance. That's a, that's a blip. That's a. That's not a blip. Uh, it's, a, about, it's a course correction. It's not a blip. Dark Horse is a blip. DC is not a blip. DC and Marvel are the boat that steers the industry. Oh, yeah, no, DC is going. DC's being boring. New Fifty Two was a blip. That's the yeah. blip. Now they're just sort of back where they should have been all along. But it's two months in. You can't make that assessment. We're still. It's still. Well, it's about right now. It's now. Now. What yeah. are we reading right now? It's worth now, talking now? about. When? <laughs> and you know the image books are still good and still good doesn't count as renaissance. Yep. No, but the renaissance is adding DC back into the mix. That doesn't make a renaissance though. I just I, I think that's you're being it's too generous. I'm talking term. about it like an industry wide sea change where yeah. all of a sudden comic shops were doing really shitty and now they're doing good, or you know a different kind of comic is emerging that's changing the way everybody does everything. It's pretty much business as usual. See, for just me, the, Renaissance is about creative Renaissance. I'm excited to read my books every Wednesday. That's I, I could give it to you at that company. That's totally the case. But I don't think that that ripples out. I think that they just righted their ship where it should have been all along, where it, what had been previously. That's well, I the mean, it, of we're not going to talk about it anymore. No, the, the, the difference is everyone's got a different definition of what Renaissance means. Yeah. No, it means rebirth. No, but for for this particular. That is what it means. <laughs> No, for me, he asked, is comics in a renaissance? For me, it is because I'm really excited on Wednesdays now, and I wasn't a year right. ago. Right. Yeah, I guess I guess what I look for is, like, are these the books that we're going to be talking about fondly in five years from now or whatever, you know, and, and I don't know if they are because I feel like there's so much there's so much temporariness to what's going on in comics. Because there's so much content that exactly. it's really difficult to grab onto anything with any sort of lasting yep. memory. Well, I, so I, can, I can see the same thing about television, though. How many of these shows you're watching are you going to rewatch again in five or ten years? No, there's not. It's the yeah, same. You're it's enjoying them, but you're enjoying them now where it's still considered to be in the TV golden age. Yeah, but the the renaissance part of it already happened, unless you think we're still in we're it. We're still in it. I think we're in whatever its status quo is. Yeah. But that's, I, still, that's still a renaissance. If you're, if you're maintaining the quo, that's the, the, the quo is the renaissance. <laughs> Can quo be used in that form? <laughs> I feel like that might not be... Maintain the quo... How to quo at? <laughs> maintain it, maintain it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, it feels very much like business as usual to me. It feels like it, it's the status quo of what it has been. It's it's interesting to, to mention like the book, The Vision. Am I going to be thinking about that book in five to ten years? Yeah, maybe. That's the best I could tell you about it. Like, I don't know. It's really good, especially for right now. It's really good. I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of forgettable things that seem entertaining right now, but you won't ever think about again, which is what comics feels like to me in general right now. There's a lot of, it's like a lot of B plus. Yep. A lot of 3.5s. A lot of 3.5s. Yep. Which isn't necessarily a B plus, but either way, I think we've got a chord there, so I think we should go with it. Right. You can email us at contactifanboy.com or call our voicemail line, which is not the case anymore, because this is an old version of the script. But you can send us an audio file in an email to contact Someone Mike. did recently. Yeah, which we, we encourage. Please go ahead and do that, so, especially when Josh edits the show. Keep it to 30 seconds or so if you call us in, and if you're writing in, tell us who you are, where you're from, and how long you thought about the question. 
And now we've got a brand new segment, guys. All right. Exciting. Now we thank the patrons. So if you, you've been following along, we launched our Patreon at patreon.com slash ifanboy. And one of the uh, rewards is we thank you on the show. And we decided that we would give each person a superpower. So on we, we, on yeah, we, yeah this, this is stemmed from, you know, on patreon.com slash ifanboy, we said that a certain level and higher would get the thank you on the show. And we were just going to thank their names. Mm-hmm. But... On our sister podcast, Goodfellas Minute, we had such a good time giving people mob names. We said, you know, we really should do something for the folks that we're thanking. And we talk a lot about superheroes, so uh, we're going to give them superhero powers. But, 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 dumb ones. Dumb ones. That's the well, not, not not always dumb ones, but we're dumb, just, is, dumb is subjective. Dumb is subjective, but they <laughs> they they're gonna have uh, off, off a, beat powers, powers that might not get them on the X Men, but they can still hang around the mansion. Eccentric powers, let's say. Right. This is going to be more Cypher than Jean Grey. <laughs> so, you know um, what? Cypher was a clearer power. <laughs> yeah. Ron, you go first. So, uh, we want to thank our first patron, Paul Austin, who has the power to charge things. Wait, electrically or like a, credit? A lot, like bat- he can recharge batteries. He can hold a cell phone in a charge. It's like wireless charging. Does it all the, they just all the people just stick their phones to his body? And exactly. If you or it just car. happens, like they're on the subway, like oh, my battery is dead. Yeah. Oh, no, no, they do need to come into physical contact. It does need oh, to touch skin? them. Yeah, yeah, skin contact. Yeah, it's not. So they'll be talking to somebody, and some, suddenly there's a phone on his forehead. Yeah. And hold and just, it, just wait one minute. He's not a magnet, but no. it does help. Somebody walks up and presses it to his forehead, and just, just, just give me a second. Right, and the thing is, his Fitbit never dies. <laughs> it's always fully charged. I mean, just think about all the things in your life that you need to have charged. He's your guy. Can he recharge he non-rechargeable batteries, or does it have to be yeah. like a nickel? They, they have to actually be the rechargeable type. Yeah, they need to. Yeah. <laughs> Can he touch a Tesla and charge it up? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Can he hold the plug like an AC plug <laughs> and power like a television? Yeah, can no. I hand him my irons? No, AC he, the plug. He, he's not an energy source, Josh. He, he just he has have to, to be an energy source because he's putting energy into something where there was not energy. It's a slow trickle. It's, it's a sl- no, but the thing is, the energy that he's outputting is not of a high enough voltage to power a television or a motorboat or any of the ilk. But he can slow charge a laptop. So can he can't he, charge a laptop. Okay, say your car battery. We can't spend this long on each other. I know, other. we can't. We can. <laughs> okay, but I got one last one, though. Say that you're in a parking lot. Your battery's dead. Paul Austin walks along. Yep. He touches the contacts of the, of the car. It can start right up. He could power a TV then. Well, let's not let's not look too deep. This is complicated. <laughs> Josh, you're up. Next up is Bjorn Campbell, uh, who has the uncanny ability to navigate any and all fjords. Okay, now I was—I knew you were gonna do this. We cannot make powers based on their names, Josh. Yeah, but the the J made me think of it. I know. Yeah, you went. You 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 got you gotta. We gotta be more creative than that. That's, <laughs> that's pretty fucking creative, though. <laughs> like like if they're like, here we are, sailing in in Scandinavia. Oh no, we've made a wrong turn. He's like, no, no, no. I, I know how, I know who to call. I just I feel bad. This. I just feel bad because his his name is Bjorn. You're going with an obvious thing. I just I just I, I just want better out of this game. I could. Uh, <laughs> I, I I hear you. I hear you. How about he can navigate anywhere? He's I never really lost. like the specific. Okay, so not just fjords, but any sort of. He's never lost. Narrow spaces. 
Yeah, no. Only in oh, oh, so it's got to be in aerospaces. So, like, yeah. in, in Chicago, he can navigate those alleys great. Oh, totally. He's yeah. good in downtown Manhattan. Good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when you think it's in Nebraska, corn. he's lost. No, no. Yeah. You want that guy in the corn maze with you. In the corn yes. maze, sure, but just open roads? Can Forget I tell you, it. we had a corn maze here last fall. I got completely lost. You could have used Bjorn Campbell with you. Totally. All right, I like it. I like navigation through tight spaces. That's good. Okay. I like that. Okay. And, and, by the way, no. Here's a question, Josh. Can you play Doom with him and he kicks ass? Oh no, that's digit. You have to. No. It's got to be. It's got to be tangible. Physically, physically okay. tight spaces. Okay, there you go. Cool. I mean, right. he's good at it. Like he would be better at it than the average guy, but there wouldn't be anything extra normal going on there if, if it makes sense. He's got some skill that he's learned. He's just good at the game. That's just yeah. He's an excellent gamer. <laughs> All right, so Nicholas Kelly. We want to thank him. And Nicholas's power is that. He is psychic and can read your mind, but he hears your thoughts in German, and he just can't understand what you're saying. He doesn't know German. Can't, doesn't know it, can't pick it up. Let me ask you this. Real bad at languages. So has he tried to learn German but is unable to? He's just, he's just bad at languages. He just could can't. He, but could he learn German and then unlock it? He, yeah. he could, but theoretically he can only say thank you and please, and really and everything else is just and angry he shouting. He would constantly be like, slow down. Yeah. So that is that is unfortunate for Nicholas, but he is a psych. He's a German That's a good psychic. one. That's a good one. All right, so our fourth uh, name, Pablo Duran, we're going to do as a group. Thank you, Pablo. Pablo Duran, any thoughts? Why are we doing it as a group? Huh. Pablo Duran. three of us. So we decided we do four names. Uh... It's hard when it's just the three of you. You don't have just control. Is, well, we it, a, is it a movement? Is it a movement power? Something to do with how he moves? We could. He walks very quietly. I want to say temperature control, but that might be just because the air conditioning kicked back in. I also might feel like that's we're going to. just we're as bad as going by the name. We're going to blow a bunch of good ones in discussing them. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. maybe we should just assign one person and we rotate every week the fourth person. I think that okay. might be better. That's fair. That's fair. Josh, your movement one. Take it. He he he. His feet make no sound. All right, there you go. No matter what shoes he's wearing, he'll be walking on what, no silent what, foot. What silent foot is on? They and don't think s- that that's always an advantage. No. <laughs> because it freaks people out on dates. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there is our new. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see how long that takes. Segment. <laughs> uh, it's fun though. It's fun. It's yeah, fun. it's fun. It is fun. And we want to thank all the patrons who have signed up. And so Paul, Bjorn, Nicholas, Pablo, thank you. And future patrons, this is what you can look forward to. Uh, it was worth the wait. Hopefully, I think so. Now that you're uh, part of the show, no one listens to. Go ahead, Ron. Yes, exactly. If you're still listening, go back and listen to the Suicide Squad podcast that me and Mike Romo talked about the very, very bad movie. And maybe look forward to a future addendum where Connor talks about what he thinks of it. So. Uh, you can listen to my conversation with uh, Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becco about their collaborative work together on uh, Talksplode, which is our first one since uh, reaching that Patreon goal. Uh, so we'll be having a monthly show for you, either Talksplode or a Booksplode, going forward. Correct. So uh, we'll be having a Booksplode next month. We have the book picked out. We just haven't done the show yet, but in what, what, September, you can look forward to a Booksplode on a recent original graphic novel release. And also, Exciting. this past week, we released the discussion on The Killing Joke. This is the show people have been asking for for a month. Paul Montgomery, Ron Haupt, and I got together to talk about the latest 
DC Universe animated, animated original film, The Killing Joke. You can find that on the feed behind this show. We talked for almost an hour about it, uh, the very controversial film. A uh, really good conversation. M- might surprise you. Cool. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, we did another podcast called Goodfellas Minute that I'm very proud of, all 146 episodes. It's a complete library of podcasts that so you could start listening to episode one tomorrow and take yourself through five months of Martin Scorsese crime movie goodness uh, with some parkways thrown in there. So go to goodfellasminute.com where you can go download and listen to those episodes. Some parkways. There's a lot of parkway talk. <laughs> some might say too many. Some might say not enough. <laughs> and listen, not enough split-level talk. Which camp are you in? Listen to the side. Head over to ifanboy.com. You can comment on this show. You can talk about the other books that came out this week that we didn't get a chance to. So definitely that's a good place to do that. And you can find all of our other podcasts, our many, our 549 other regular podcasts. And how many special edition podcasts do you think there are? I think there's over 800 audio shows. Yeah. Because yeah. we did their 68 Talksplodes. That's not counting. There's 50 Make Comics podcasts. There's Don't do the math now. Yeah, a, lot of, yeah, just a, a lot of stuff there. A lot of video shows. Actually, there is the... Uh, you talk and I'll tell you because there's, there's a place that has them all linked. Go ahead. Several several hundred video shows. Many, many daily shows. Lots of stuff is what we're saying. This is our, uh, this is our eight, legacy we leave behind. 879 yeah. audio shows. Our legacy as long as somebody pays that monthly bill. 879 <laughs> audio shows. Cue comic book guy from The Simpsons going, oh, I've wasted my life. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's clear. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash iFanboy, which is the kind of place uh, that and uh, iFanboy.com, uh, twitter.com slash iFanboy, where you would find out um, you know, about this thing coming up. So you would know ahead of time we were going to talk live. And you can follow us, of course, at Jay Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Ron XO for probably less comic talk than you'd want, if that's why you're following us. But... Uh, there we are. What are you going to do? And finally, if you like the show, any of the 879 episodes we've done, write us a review on iTunes. That's how people find podcasts. It takes you only a second. You can even just leave us a star review if you don't want to write a whole one out. Someone recently wrote one saying they got this. Good job. Good Which job. It's funny, yeah. but you're on notice. <laughs> and uh, better than that is to tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your comic store, tell your postman. When he comes to give you the mail, <laughs> tell him to listen to iFanboy. He won't know what the hell you're talking about, but do it anyway. And Help just us keep spread the talking to love. Love. Yeah. Just keep Nothing. talking to him and see how that ends, and then write to us about it. He just walked away. <laughs> I haven't seen my mail in a week. The guy thinks I'm a weirdo. <laughs> that is it for this week's Power show. Power Postman. 500, don't, 500, waste Josh, don't waste 550 in the books. Good job, gentlemen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the people who hung around in our two chat rooms. We had two of them going, one on YouTube, one on our website. We appreciate every one of you, all of our patrons, all the listeners. Yeah. Awesome. Here's the 550 more. Until then, I'm Ron. Wait a minute. I'm not committing to that. (laughs) That's a lot. I'm Connor. Do you know how old we'll be then? Old. So old. I'm Josh. (laughs) 